all began in this little shop. Oh, damn roses. Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happens. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. What kind of a little plant is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight, I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy, unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plant? I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. You'll be a dead You have a talent for causing things. Hey, 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 stop. Be a dead People will pay you me I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. And a plant. Feed me all night long. Supposed to keep on feeding you. Yes! Rick Moranis. Man's a total disgrace to the dental profession. Ellen Green. Excuse me. Excuse me, what? That's better. Vincent Gardenia, with special guest appearances by Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill Murray. It's a professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors. Hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Welcome show. Welcome back, everybody. I love this movie. Pete, did you remember to, to feed our Audrey too? I've been giving it Miracle Grow, Roundup. We've had to keep it away from the interns. Oh it my does want to eat them, and they want to eat it. Mm-hmm. They love eating greens. Greens, nothing but greens. Well. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. We finally got our gay asses out of the 1990s. Oh, yeah. And we went to but the even year further back. I was born. 1986. We watched wow. Little Shop of Horrors, directed by Frank Oz, with returning guest, movies that made us gay, all-star, deep friend of the pod, yes, Mitch Ralston. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Hey, you cool ghouls and cryptids. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. It's a beautiful night in Pasadena. It is. How is it over uh, over where you are, lovely Orange County? I don't know. I don't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Who can blame you? Your your social media content is on point, though. You're <laughs> yeah. doing a good job on I've your social. I've basically become Roger the Alien, so... <laughs> You're just like That's little. Good. You're just like a little Edie, always putting on a show for all of us on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> keeping our minds off of Next what's going thing you on. Know, I'm gonna do a flag dance and everything. Oh, I love it! So we landed on Little Shop of Horrors because you really wanted to do it. Yes. Yes. So I wh- have a history with this movie. So well, the, well tell us the why. Musical more. Tell us why you wanted to do this delightful movie. So. um when I was little, my brother directed a production in high school, and I like 
idolized that like that whole production. Um, when I was in high school, I did a production in um, Fresno, and my I was Mr. Mushnick, and my Seymour was Michael Willett, who has since gone on to quite a career with um, GBF, the movie Gay Best Friend, oh, GBF. Yeah. Um, he was the the boyfriend of the son in the United States of Terra, and he is uh my six degrees of separation from Dolly Parton because uh, he was on heartstrings in uh, the, the two doors down episode, the gay episode where people just walked out of it at Dollywood. So wait, wait a minute. Was, was he the kid that was, that went on Rosie? That was like, no, the really famous child no. actor from the stage. No, that was, that, I, no, he was not. Okay. He's the other one from GFB. GB. Yeah. He's the other yeah. From GBF, yeah. 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 So, um, and then I did it again, like, four years ago, and I played, um, like, just the ensemble in that one. So, I've done the show, like, I know the musical, like, the back of my hand. Work. I've seen the movie so many times as a kid. Um, I, it, like, it was, when I was little, it was, like, the swear words. It was, like, safe swear words, like, no yeah. shit, Sherlock, yes. and tough titty. Yes. And so, like, I would say things that Audrey, too, would say, and my mom would get so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like tough titty. She's like Mitchell, stop that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mitch, do you want to hear something that I'm kind of afraid to admit on this podcast? This what? was the first time I'd ever actually sat through the entire movie of Little Shop of Horrors. Now a warning. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just glad that I finally got that off my chest. <laughs> I'm now it, now it's just out in the open, and I do have I'm to say like, I loved it. I like low key just. <laughs> so I, it's one of those things that I've always been familiar with the music just because, I mean, we go to Quads in Palm Springs, which is a video, which is like a video bar we talk about on this podcast. And we always see Suddenly Seymour and on Skid Row on Skid Row. So I knew those two songs pretty well because I always see them whenever we go in. But it was nice to see them in their full context. And- yeah, you know, the music, it being written by Howard Ashman, um, yes. Howard Ashman, like, he is, like, really, as a songwriter, he's very um, instrumental in so many hits from our childhood. Oh, like, my God. He wrote The Little Mermaid. He wrote Beauty and the Beast. He's like, a, Dis- he's like um, a, a Disney standby. And unfortunately, he passed, yeah, unfortunately, he passed of um, AIDS complications, Um Shortly after Beauty and the Beast, so mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's kind of it's kind of pithy that on a podcast movie that made movies that made us gay, we talk about a musical that has such a um like such like queerness kind oh, of yeah baked into it. into it yeah yeah sure and also we can uh, bring up the resemblance in uh, somewhere that's green to part of your world. Oh yeah! (laughs) Oh yeah! Totally. Well, well, um, the thing about that is Howard Ashman would write one song in a music, one song in a musical that was called the "I Want" song. Yes, where the the lead of the musical would kind of bear out their soul with what they want. Yeah, and in Little Shop, there's kind of two "I Want" songs. Seymour and Audrey sing an "I Want" song in um, Skid Row. Yes, and Audrey sings. Somewhere that's green. That's her. I want song, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to all that later. We'll get to all that later. Of course. Uh, oh my God, the songs are so catchy. 
They're so snappy. Oh, definitely. From the definitely. very beginning, from the opening credits to the Little Shop of Horrors with the Greek chorus, with my two girls, uh, Tisha Campbell Martin and Tashina Arnold from Martin. Oh, uh, my God. As uh, Crystal Ronette and... And Chiffon. And Chiffon, yes. Named yeah, after... Crystal the, Ronette and Chiffon. The girl groups of the 60s. I love that. Um yeah, there's so much to talk about with this movie, uh, not the least of which is I feel like I'm – I mean, I'm definitely older than Scott. Mitch, I think I'm older than you. So I remember <laughs> Head of the Class in the 80s. Do either of you remember Head of the Class? It's familiar. Okay, so it was a sitcom about – I'm pretty sure I've seen like a, uh, an episode on like sure. TBS. So Head of the Class was a sitcom in the 80s about – an unorthodox high school teacher and he got settled with, I think he was like a substitute teacher or something. And it was played by Howard Hessman of WKRP in Cincinnati. And he's also in clue the movie. He's the FBI agent that comes to the door and is trying to teach them about, about like Jehovah's witness, you know? And, um, he plays this teacher at this New York Manhattan high school for gifted students. And none of the teachers want to teach the gifted students because they're all assholes. And he comes in and he's like this ex hippie, you know, and he like makes a connection and teaches these kids well the show went on for several seasons and what became ultimately a hallmark of the show was that they would put on a big musical every year and the first year they did hair and then one year they did little shop of horrors and it was right after the movie had come out and so it was a little bit of like little shop of horrors mania like across the usa and like me as a little kid watching you know uh head of the class and seeing them put on this production just really got me interested in it as a as a theater production, which I've never been able mm-hmm. to see. Uh, even though Scott and I do live in Pasadena, and there was a there was a huge one huge that just happened production. in Pasadena in the past year. Yes, it, it, yeah, and it's it's funny. Um, so the beginning of Little Shop of Horrors, the the opening narration says, "On the twenty third day of the month of September, in an early year of a decade not too long before our own." Mm-hmm. So in nineteen eighty six, that decade not too long before our own was like the sixties, nineteen sixty two. That production, just looking at the costume stuff, I'm like, did they set it in the nineties? Is that now the <laughs> decade not too long before our own? <laughs> yeah, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and the big thing um, of the one in Pasadena was that they were Latino, right? Well, are, the big thing are was there that, like Latin. Every- was that Audrey? Audrey? Audrey was um, MJ Rodriguez from Pose. Yeah, and Audrey too was Amber Riley from Glee. Yeah, so everybody Glee. was. They're all people of color. Wait a minute, Audrey too was Amber Riley the plant? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. how they did that. Oh, they usually have the stage production. The plant is a person always, right? Yeah, okay, so the stage production originally yeah. was off-off-Broadway in 1982, and then it transferred to off-Broadway, and it lasted for, like, years and years. Like, I think it closed in, like, 91 or 92. Sure. The puppets from the original off-Broadway production were um, designed by Martin P. Robinson, who was Mr. Snuffleupagus <gasps> from Sesame Street. Uh, Very cool. Love Snuffy. So, so yeah, so... The the puppets were designed by Snuffy, and just think about it. He went from being, you know, Harbird to yeah. feed me, like <laughs> in the same day. Um, the the like like you mentioned in Head of the Class, it's 
a very popular production with high schools yes. and community theaters because it's it's one set. The entire mm. show is in one set. Uh-huh. Um, for like the dentist room scenes, they just close the curtains. Okay. The only it's a small cast. There's Mushnick, the trio, Seymour, and Audrey, and all the other roles are played by the dentist. Um, oh. So yeah, so Oren's only in like a few scenes, but he comes back in like quick changes and everything. And like, it's like a really fun role for a character actor to play. Um, and so really like for a lot of community theaters, the only struggle is the plant. So, um, so either they'll make their own puppets or they'll rent out a puppet, but for community theaters who make their own puppets, then they're able to rent out their puppet set. And it's like a year round moneymaker. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah, I have a little background on the making of the movie. If you wanted to hear oh, that, really I've fast. Got some notes too. <laughs> well, we can kind of we Love can it. kind of tag team this too. Yes. So, uh, as Mitch mentioned, um, the 1982 Off Broadway it was produced by movies that made us gay. Uh, kind of staple David Geffen. This Love is it. the second David Geffen movie that we've done. We'll probably just end up doing Beetlejuice on purpose. Yeah. For so, sure. yeah. So David Geffen, a uh, rich guy, he loved to back theater because he was a rich homo and rich homos love to support the arts. <laughs> and uh, and then during that time, it was optioned at Warner Brothers where uh, kind of they wanted to make a movie out of it. And I believe this was first considered to be an emblem movie. So Steven Spielberg almost mm-hmm. produced it. And then I think something fell south with that. Scorsese was tapped to direct it at one point, and he, oh wanted, and he wanted to make it 3D. Oh, my God. Yeah, a th- he wanted to make it a 3D movie. And then after Scorsese dropped off, John Landis was attached to mm-hmm. direct. Which could have worked. Which could have worked, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so this ultimately ultimately ended up in the hands of Frank Oz, who was just finishing up Muppets Take Manhattan, and he initially rejected it when it was first offered mm-hmm. to him, because he just thought it was too stage-bound. Kind of, and then he yeah. molded over a little bit, and he changed his mind about the movie, thinking that he could open it up a little bit more. And Oz spent about a month and a half recon- kind of uh, shaping the script to kind of see if he could break it out a little yeah. bit of the stage version. And Geffen and Ashman liked what he had written and it, and decided to go with his vision. And what I think is really interesting about the movie is that I think it is set bound to an extent because yeah. these were huge sets created on the Pinewood Studios of London. But yeah, I think it's it, the 007 sets. It's the sets that they filmed it's the Bond, Bond on. It, it, mm-hmm. It's the Bond stage who I yeah. think that within the year that this shot that stage ended up burning down. It burned yeah. down during the production Rid- of Legend. Ridley Scott burnt the stage down. Mm-hmm. And what I think is kind of cool about it is that it doesn't feel... it. It's set bound to an extent, and I think that it works that it's set bound because these are characters trapped on Skid Row. So I think it helps exactly. that it's, it's a exactly. little claustrophobic of a movie, and I think it works. And also, I feel like this the setting, the, the staging, all of that is a little... Uh, hyper-realistic, a little over the top, so that these sets kind of are okay. Like, it's it's not supposed to be realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to look like they're outside. It's like, um, it's just so, like, fantastical in the, you know, the forced perspective, like, train bridge 
that's mm-hmm. in the background that's supposed to look yeah. far away, but it's really a teeny miniature, you know, things like that, just make it look a little bit more fantastical and um, uh, theatrical. So, mm-hmm. so following through with the different sets, um, they actually built three different sets of the flower shop because mm-hmm. they had the, the plant puppets in six different stages of growth. Sure. So they had the three different sets so that they'd have been able to have two different units working at the same time. In fact, one of the sets was a model, was like a, a scale model, so that like scenes when Audrey 2 is by by themselves. I guess we can use gender free pronouns for Audrey 2. <laughs> Audrey's Audrey's gender fluid. Audrey 2's trans icon. <laughs> um, so when Audrey 2 is by itself, um, they they use ba- it's basically like um, stop motion. Yeah. And for for when Audrey Two is singing, it's it's basically stop motion. They use I have this written down, um, fourteen to sixteen frames per second for right. for its mouth for when it's singing, as opposed to the so usual twenty four frames a second. Which yeah, they, so it's going like super film. slow. Um. So yeah, and the final Audrey Two at the very end of the movie took sixty puppeteers to puppet. 60 puppeteers. I mean, that's how, like, that's how, like intense it was. Yeah. There's like eight or 10 of those like little baby Audrey two buds, you know, and like yeah. each one of those, like that puppet at the final scene where it breaks out of its, you know, little terracotta pot and just completely envelops the entire store. That scene is crazy and it looks insane. It. Yeah. And, so go ahead. Oh. I don't know if Scott had was going to cover what I was just about to say, but um, Ellen Green was almost not cast as Audrey. I have some casting notes for Audrey, which I think are, are interesting too. I know Cindy Lauper. Yep, that's what and, that's who Warner uh, wanted, which I think and, makes sense on paper. But Cindy Lauper isn't really an actress. No, and I'm but sh- then the like the most batshit cuckoo bananas. One. Piazadora. Barbara. Barbara Streisand. Could as you imagine? Could you fucking imagine Barbara <laughs> like as Audrey? Seven-year-old Barbara Streisand <laughs> as she Audrey. Was too old for Yanto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Barbara would have really fit into this. Uh... I'm sure that Barbara gave that a swift veto when that came across her desk. I'm just saying, I'm not mad at this Cindy Lauper, you know, idea. It could have well, worked, but I just don't the... think that. Cindy Lauper is much of an actress, though. I mean, maybe have, not, have, but we don't know. Have you heard any about the like the remake they're talking about making? Yes, who they've been like, Scarlet. who they've been circling for casting for that. Yeah, so we want Scarlet. Scarlet is attached for Audrey, which Star I'm all Joe. about. Scarlet can sing, and I think that she yes. would be fun to play this type. I would love to see her, but originally they were gonna have they were like talking about Gaga as that. I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> and then she could have done it. Uh, Seymour, she, uh, she's Audrey too. Seymour, Gaga as um, Audrey too. Rocket Man, our favorite, <laughs> uh, Taryn, Taryn Edgerton, and then the flower shop owner, I believe Chris Evans is Chris Evans. Oh, about no, it. Chris Evans yeah. is Chris Evans is in negotiations to play Orange Scrivello, DDS. DDS. Sure. Yeah. Mr. Mushnick is an old man. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. They cast Josh Gad as Mr. Mushnick and put like a shit ton of old age makeup there on There you him. go. There you go. Chris Evans can do uh, a really cocky shithead kind of a guy. Pretty much as, just playing as the same character of Scott Pilgrim. Yes, the character that he yeah. played in Scott Pilgrim. Exactly. Um, I love Orrin Scrivello, DDS. Dr. 
doctor. <laughs> I'm sorry, doctor. <laughs> okay. As much as I would have loved to have seen Cindy Lauper, I think she would have been great, and I think we could have given her a chance to see if she does have acting chops. We'll never know. But as much as I would have loved that, Ellen Green. She's so iconic in this movie. Iconic in this movie. So that singing voice. The, the first scene. Uh, the first scene when they're just like bored around the like. Yes. Like how they open it with them just all bored in the shop. No, no mm-hmm. customers. I'm like, look. First of all, the set for the shop is gorgeous. Yeah. It's this like, it's this like, ornate building that I'm like wondering how Mr. Mushnick pays the rent there. It's Skid Row. <laughs> the rent's cheap. Skid Row. Yeah. It's like ten. <laughs> How much could rent possibly cost? Ten dollars? Yeah, in the sixties in Skid Row, ten bucks. <laughs> so, so they're like, there's no flowers, there's right. nothing in there. I'm like, no wonder they're a failing flower it's shop. A it's a pretty sad. It's a pretty sad floral shop. <laughs> so she comes in, and there's like the like the film noir like, like that type of music when she walks through the door. There's like snaps and everything. It begins on the shot of her heels, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like a velociraptor the way she walks. Her like hands are all up at her chest. Yes. And, like, she's got this very like Peg Bundy way of like of walking. Yeah, the hands up by her chest. It's very uh it's very uh Alexis Rose with just her hands up here. Uh, I mean, I yeah. feel like we're us three homosexuals are just a sucker for a big busted blonde with this wispy voice. Oh yes. Just I love the Angeline types in movies and TV. So there's the iconic line in this movie uh when she's talking to Seymour uh about where she first met Orrin Scrivello. We'll get to this later, but I want to but I want to bring this up about the gutter and she said I would wear cheap tawdry outfits, not not nice ones like this. And I'm thinking to myself her outfits aren't cheap and tall. Like, the joke is that she's supposed to dress so scandalous, but she considers it nice. But they are nice outfits. Her dresses are really pretty. She's, like, like the out because I have so many notes about the things she's wearing in the different scenes. Yes. And I'm like, this is like rockabilly style. Like, it is. It would be like a style icon. Exactly what I was and, thinking. Super rockabilly style. Because um, it's that era. So, yeah, it's that era. Um, so Mr. Mushnick is played by Vincent Gardania in an almost, it, I hate when actors play Mr. Mushnick too Jewy, sure. dare I say. I mean, come on. Because it comes, because <laughs> it's a fine line between that character and a very bad stereotype. It, yeah, it's true. It's true. But I mean, part of it is how it's written. I mean, he's, he's Mr. Mushnick, you know, they've got their main account is Mrs. Shiva. You know, like, they're dropping off like dropping flies. Off flies. And in the that's original, actually, that's actually, I have a note here. That's actually a character from the original movie. I was going to say Shiva. city Shiva. Yeah. <laughs> Come Mrs. on. Shiva. I so, was, I was watching about the first hour of the Roger Corman movie and it's interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty low budge. They filmed it in one day. They had yep. access to that oh set God. for one day. Oh my God. And so so they're like, okay, we'll make a movie out of this somehow. I can see how this B movie from the 60s, you know, in the late 70s, 
early 80s got this reputation for being just this kooky, crazy movie that was just very underground and everybody just kind of found it and it got legs again, you know, and it's like a really cool downtown crowd. Well, and also Roger Corman just became a titan of the B-movie yeah. circuit and, of the 70s, too. And just how somebody like Howard Ashman, how just this like insanely talented, you know, homo is just like, that's it. That stupid movie, I'm going to make a musical out of it. And then it just becomes this, like, crazy phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know? I yeah. was reading that the original screenwriter tried to sue Warner Brothers over the script. He did. The original screenwriter for, um, I think, the original... I, I'd have to recheck, recheck. I don't know if it's either the original movie uh-huh. or if it's the, the stage play. Oh, okay. But he did sue... Did There was a lot of litigation over... Um, over little shots. Sure. Well, you know, anytime anything becomes successful, somebody's mm-hmm. gonna somebody's gonna latch onto it and try and get some try and get some cash. And I have it. a feeling that when you come at David Geffen with a lawsuit, oh, David Geffen is probably going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is the truth. So so they're they're like all bored and there's this great scene of them just like kind of just the, the the clock ticks and then they're at a different position. Cuts. Yeah, clock ticks, different cuts. They're at a different position, and well, I'm totally skipping like the best line, like not one of the best lines, but like a really big character moment for Audrey mm-hmm. is when she comes in. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, mind you. Her apartment is right across the street from <laughs> yeah, the shop. Yeah, you can see into her living room window <laughs> from the shop. You can see into her living room window from the shop. Yeah, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. What? What is she doing? <laughs> Audrey, what are you doing all day? What are you doing all day? So she comes in and she's trying to hide her black eye yeah. and it like breaks my heart. Because she's like she's got her like purse over her eye and yeah. she's like, I missed Mushnick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole character beat of Audrey China. just What's shine <laughs> What's shine? Just having the just having the bad just having bad taste in men. Yeah. But you, you know, don't meet nice boys when you live on Skid Row. On Skid Row. But and Audrey kind of thinks that she deserves. She yeah, doesn't deserve that's what, anybody that's better. What's sad about it than Orrin Scarvello DDS. And I'm thinking to myself, what did Audrey do in her past that is so bad? Because she keeps talking about how she doesn't deserve anybody better. She doesn't deserve a nice guy like Seymour. You know the the terrible things she did. You know, when she met Oren back at the gutter. And I'm thinking that she may have done a little bit of escorting over down at the gutter. Sure. That's what I'm thinking. Because I, she said possible. she said she worked down at the gutter when, when they weren't making much money at the shop. Because, you know, the shop is... I want to say that there's a few more lines that indicate that kind of hint towards that, too. Because why else... She is- also mentions... Daddy left early. Mama was and poor. And Mama was poor. So she had to do something to keep... She has daddy know, issues. Well, for That's sure. Obvious. Yes, indeed. So I'm surprised she didn't like try to hook up with Mr. Mushnick. <laughs> well, oh, my it, God. What if that's was, how she got her job? He was well, too nice to it's her. It's so interesting because I almost think going into it that it's a, it's a father and a daughter relationship. Right. Until oh, you get yeah. those lines oh. in the song. Well, that's... that's so... That, that's when I played Mr. Mushrick. That's really how I played the role was like he sees Seymour and Audrey as his kids. I mean, he yeah. obviously he adopted Seymour. Well, he adopts Seymour in the play in a song that they cut from the musical, but from the movie. But he OK, he's, um, he's Seymour's adopted father, but he's also Seymour's 
slave owner. Oh yeah, Seymour's totally like <laughs> he's like, an indentured servant. Yeah, this is like like he, he, the bus driver is like trained to see Seymour. Like, hey, do you need help? Yeah. Do you think that he's paying rent in that Mr. in that sad basement apartment? No, he says that Mister Mushnik yeah. lets him live there, and all he has to do is work in the shop, and he gets every other Sunday off. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Seymour's being like, like, yeah, he's being. Human trafficked. Yeah, he's definitely being human trafficked in this situation. And that's oh my the god, thing. this is so yes, now. and that's the thing about Mister Mushnik because he has different layers to his character because he's constantly telling Audrey that you know you're too good for this guy, you need to dump him. He's not a he's not a good person. You know, get rid of Oren Scrivello, DDS. He's also telling Seymour. You know, I think he kind of eventually towards the end it sounds like he's trying to tell seymour like just run just get out of here just don't look back but then also uh, five seconds later he's just like you know or else i'll turn you in kind of a thing Mm -hmm. you know so he's got some like two-sidedness like he's good some of the time mostly good but then when it comes to like his business i guess he's just like well out for himself so do we do we agree that seymour's character to kind of grow a backbone ultimately kind of needs to discover audrey too so yeah you think that it kind of makes him come out of his shell script yeah there's actually notes in the script that that is exactly what's going on it's Ah. in its heart little shop of horrors is a faust story so seymour is without audrey too seymour would not have you know, the success at the shop, they would not have, you know, Audrey. Well, I mean, Audrey would probably be interested in him, but he wouldn't have made the the moves on her okay. without Audrey to pushing him. So really it is in, in effect, a Faust story. Right. Audrey too makes him more successful and, mm-hmm. and kind of Seymour wants to impress her. Thinks that kind mm-hmm. of getting famous for this Venus flytrap will ultimately so, kind of win her so, affection. So it's like six o'clock. Mister Mushnik says we haven't sold much as sold so much as a fern. I'm going to close up the shop. Don't come in tomorrow. I'm going to burn down the shop and claim the insurance money or something <laughs> like that. And then and then we meet the trio while they're in like they're like their street they're clothes. Non, they're street clothes. They they have like like their Greek chorus outfits yeah. and then they have their street clothes. Yeah. And they show up in both forms. And that's what and... I mean when I talk about how this this movie is so like fantastical because when we're first introduced to the Greek chorus, they're in these 60s like girl group bubble skirt, you know, it's pouring down rain on Skid Row and they're walking across the street as it's pouring down rain on this set and they are completely dry. There's like, there's magic in this, you know, staging. And then when we see them in their real lives, they're just teenage girls. Like when they're dressed as the chorus, they look like women, you know, and they're singing these songs and they're like powerful and awesome. But then when when we see them in the reality of the movie, they're just kids. You know, they're kids that are like skipping school and, you know, they just live in they the on the split shift. Yeah. <laughs> we split. We went to school to the fourth grade, then we then split. We split in this gross neighborhood. The around you know? the way girls. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. And I love them. 
Um, and that's just how do you intend to better yourself? <laughs> better ourselves. Listen, when you from Skid Row, ain't no such thing. Um, just real quick, is this Frank Oz directing a movie on his own for the first time? I believe he co-directed uh, no. The Dark Crystal with Jim Henson. Yeah, and same yeah, with Muppet Caper and Dark Muppet Caper. And it makes sense that they wanted someone that could direct puppets. Kind of mm-hmm. Muppets Take Manhattan and Dark Crystal were insanely complicated movies I, with effects. I always say when I'm watching this movie, when you watch the staging of Skid Row at the beginning of this movie. Oh, God, yeah. It's like you could – it could be a bit – on Sesame Street with like a bum laying in the gutter, just lifting up his head and looking into the camera going downtown, you know, all these little characters off to the side in the Muppets. It would be, you know, uh, a vegetable, Background Muppets. it would be a, a vegetable cart and like the broccoli, <laughs> you know, and the broccoli and the carrots would just say like this little background, you know, singing. Lip-sicking. You're just describing the, like, there goes Mr. Song from right, exactly. <laughs> and when you watch that, and you watch this next to each other, it totally tracks. And he's directing it like he would direct a Muppet movie or a scene out of a you know who's the I, that, that scene that number is gorgeous. Oh my god, I, so I mean, good! So I love good. when when Seymour is um like up against the fence, yeah, and all the bums are like. Climbing up against yep. the fence. That's like, that's a visual there. It's a visual and, and the song is so like, the song is so like triumphant, you know, but it's about such like horrible conditions. Uh, how they're all stuck in the situation. Yeah. yeah. Who's the they, homeless? And, and you can almost say that this is the I want song for the entire cast. Oh, of course. Yeah. Totally. Because everyone's talking about wanting to get out of Skid Row. Yeah. Um, Seymour, Audrey, like Mr. Mushy doesn't really have anything to say in the song, but you could also make an argument that it's also his. I want to get out of here. Yeah. Like everyone song are singing about how miserable they are there. And the lyrics are amazing. You disinfect Terrazzo on the bathroom floor. Yeah. And <laughs> five o'clock is even worse. Yeah. It's the lyrics are crazy, but that's Howard though. Uh-huh. Like that's when they, you really break down Part of your world and poor unfortunate soul. It's all this crazy wordplay, you know? Mm. And it's like, that's just so these hallmarks of this songwriter that are just like crazy. Do you know who the actress is who's the homeless black lady that opens that song? She's, I do not. She's know. like a big, she was a big like singer, wasn't she's she? She's so good. Yeah, she just says that one line. <laughs> whenever we're whenever we're at quads in Palm Springs and they start on that song. People lose their goddamn minds when they hear when they hear her begin. Yeah, Skid when Row. she opens it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That is a sing along. Like that song is a massive sing along, and it's 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 so good. Mitch, we'll bring you to quads. I think it's right up. <laughs> I know that you it aren't is. super into gay bars, but this is right up your alley, though. It's so much fun. Um, and they play it every night. They play it and suddenly see more yep. every night. Uh, I have to mention. You mentioned that this is this production is uh, a big hit with high school and musical theater productions and if uh, any quick YouTube search you will find that that is the case. Many, many uh, high school productions. There are many varying levels of success (laughs) but that you can find One of my hobbies is watching like really ratchet productions of like 
little shop where like they make a paper mache Audrey too, and like you know, I don't even mind that because it's like you got to deal with your budget. But it's like these kids just over singing the hell out of these songs, <laughs> just doing runs in these songs that just do not need to be there. Like like <laughs> 27 twenty seven doo girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But um, I really like the idea of Audrey too kind of showing up during this total eclipse of the sun that they keep referencing, which I don't think is even oh, the total in eclipse of the heart. I the don't original think that's, movie. I don't think that's yeah. in the original movie of what I got. From I, it. It's not in the original movie in the original movie. Seymour like crossbred Audrey. It's just a very, Audrey Audrey it's Jr. a very gremlins movie. kind of origin. Like he just gets them from like the old Chinese man. Um, that, that number. Daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, Audrey I love what they call too. Back to it too. Yes. Yeah. Just the da doo, and then it cuts. So, so Seymour brings Seymour brings out the like tiny baby Audrey too in a classic um, Maxwell yeah. coffee yeah. can. I remember being like eleven and like making my own like paper, <laughs> not paper mache, but like out of construction paper. Yeah. I made an Audrey too in the Maxwell coffee can. Love it. Have you ever been? And that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, have you ever been yeah. Seymour for Halloween? No, I've never, I've never done Seymour for Halloween. That would be super cute. That vest, little... that vest, zip up sweater vest. Like, where do you even get Venus that? Fly pra- I love it. Fly trap, but just carry it around. Yeah, uh, we've yet to talk oh. about how uh, kind of unexpectedly hot Rick Moranis is in this movie. Oh my god, I think he's it, totally cute. He's so cute in this movie. Yeah, it's and it's like it's like really where did this come from? Let me just say Listen, this: calm down, Gravedale High, Rick Moranis. <laughs> Let me just say this about Rick Moranis and Little Shop of Horrors: that haircut that he's got in this movie is so on trend, like right now. Like you look up oh, any yeah. of these like gay TikTok boys, and they all have that like. It's not quite a high and tight. It's not even a fade, but just that like curly front, you know, and like short in the back. Like his haircut is super on trend with these like TikTok faggots. And like it's just (laughs) that cute, like Rick Moranis face, just unassuming. His glasses are super on trend. They have been for a million years, but they just are. And like, yeah, he's like he looks nerdy, but it's like he's he's super fuckable. He can get it. Yeah. I so like the fact is Rick Moranis when his wife passed away yeah. he retired from acting yep. to take care of his kids yeah. and I'm like oh my god my heart I can't take it yeah. too cute yeah he every made, little bit about him is he just made like, really? millions and millions of dollars off of the Honey I Shrunk movies and he just peaced out yeah started uh, teaching started teaching drama and like that's it that's he disappeared. He actually, I think he is he's like, back. Uh, I think he's like a secret um, musician. I think he's a secret country music musician. I believe he has some country music albums out there. Um, but it's like, uh, he's got like a whole like, uh, what's Garth Brooks's like pseudonym? Chris Isaac. He's got, no, no, no. Oh, not Chris, Chris Isaac? Isaac? No, not Chris Isaac. <laughs> oh, uh, Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. He's got Excuse a whole me, Chris not, Gaines. Not Chris Isaac. Chris Isaac is a real person, yep. and he's actually <laughs> a attractive, sexy person, uh, not like Arthur Brooks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I could be wrong. I could be completely making this up or pulling it out of my ass, but I believe 
that Rick Moranis has a secret country music career. But yeah, he's kind of making a little bit of a comeback these days. People are really discovering how cool he was. But it's like, even when you think about Dark Helmet and Wayne Zielinski and uh, Louis Tully, all these characters, he plays these classic 80s nerd characters but there's something about his portrayal of Seymour in his styling in his acting he's like singing these songs and he's singing really well you know yeah there's like just surprisingly well yeah and suddenly Seymour have you, have you ever seen Streets of Fire yes, yes. <laughs> Rick Moranis in Streets of Fire yeah Streets of like, Fire is like, another one that's like a secret like what where did this come from Oh, I love Streets of Fire. Yeah, and I feel like people have been sleeping on Streets of Fire for a long time. Who is uh, Michael yeah. Paré? Yeah, it's Paré. Yeah, yeah. Paré can get yeah. it in that yeah. movie. Michael Paré is super and, sexy and, um, in Streets of Fire. Instead what, of Diane what's Lane, her name? please Ellen A. Diane Lane. Yeah. Diane Lane. Yeah, serving the OG bitch face in that movie. Oh my god. Yes. Okay, we got to get back to Little Shop. We're like <laughs> suddenly become us talking about Streets of Fire and hey, Little Shop that, of Horrors. That's okay. We're all we've about like, tangents. We've been talking here. for almost an hour, and we're like barely on the first scene. So. You know, we don't we don't have to take this movie beat by beat because I think it deserves us just kind of talking about the overall themes. So if we don't explain the entire plot, that's okay because there are things that we do need to talk about, like um, the fact that Rick. Uh, you mentioned earlier the um, the frame rate problem mm. that they that they encountered because the so, bigger the bigger the puppet got the less realistic it looked when they mm-hmm. were puppeteering it singing. Uh, you know, the special effects people have encountered this with. Uh, do you remember in Return of the Jedi the Rancor? It's yeah, like that big dragon uh-huh. thing that Luke fights. It was the same thing. That is a hand puppet, and when you see footage of it as a hand puppet with somebody's hand in it, it looks like a doll. But what they found out was, and Phil Tippett found this out, Phil Tippett, who is a fantastic stop motion producer and Phil Tippett, uh, famously his credit on Jurassic park is, um, it's not dinosaur wrangler. He pretty much did. He did the stop motion work of the Velociraptors in the kitchen, and they just ended up doing that scene and just copying it like beat for beat of what in Phil C- Tippett NCG. created. Yes. So when you watch mm-hmm. the original kind of those – the concept art or like video of the Raptors in the kitchen, they pretty much just did that beat for beat. Yeah. So, so this, he- this brings up something really interesting um, because uh, – Audrey 2 had to be filmed in 14 to 16 frames per second. Yep. When Seymour is interacting with Audrey 2 in yep. Feed Me, he has to move at 14 to 16 frames per second as well. Yes. So Rick Moranis is like acting in slow motion yes, during indeed. that number. It's like when they do music videos and they have to change this, the the speed, you know, to get slow motion stuff, they have to slow the song down so the so the lip sync can match. It's funny the 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 speed of it when it's played back at normal speed. I, this is kind of a random tangent about that, but I remember watching the commentary for American Beauty and Sam Mendes mm-hmm. mentioned that Mina Savari had to do that in the rose bed. Yeah, where she had to to move her she had to move her hands really really fast. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes mm-hmm. they have to do it in the other direction if it's uh, if it's if the scene is in slow motion. But mm-hmm. this scene was 
going to be in normal speed because and they, have to film they it could only get when they slowed it down. That's when the puppet realistically looked like he was talking, right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm t- here to tell you that puppet. It's pretty impressive. The 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 lips. I'm like obsessed with the Audrey. It's insane. Lips. And the st- you like, you just would think off the top of your head. You're like, okay, it's a big plant puppet. So there's got to be somebody standing in the stem. No, there's not because that stem is not big enough for somebody to be standing in there. Yeah. So it's like, how the fuck did they manipulate this huge, you know, Venus tra- flytrap bulb, and have realistic mouth movements that matched the lip sync to the songs what how did they even do that it's so yeah. insane and rick moranis so, has to has to act in slow motion against with that it. giant puppet yeah, yeah. i bet those That's were like long uh-huh. i bet those were long set days so i i found yeah. i found the image when you watch jurassic park and the and the closing credits come up there's a credit that says dinosaur supervisor and it says Phil, <laughs> Phil Tippett. So the meme is like, "You had one job, dude. You're the dinosaur supervisor, and you fucked up this bad." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so this kind of like speeding up, playing with the frame rate really helps something that's uh, a puppet or something like that to look a little bit more realistic. And yeah, yeah. So it's it's really insane that they that they had to go through these lengths, I, but it worked, man. I bought it. I I love. In the scene after Seymour first brings out the plant and puts it in the window, and it's like just because you put a plant in the window doesn't mean customers all of a sudden and then Hello. all of a sudden Christopher Guest <laughs> walks through the door. Yeah, that shit is so and funny. I, I love all I, of, all the customers just coming in and just throwing money at the cash register. And it's like, and I love it because it's like the, he mentions it's six o'clock. Where the hell are all these people just appearing at six o'clock? They're walking home from work. Through and Skid the two, Row. And the two, bums, the two bums in the window who, like, when he says twice as many, <laughs> and they, like, mouth to each other. Twice as many. many. <laughs> I love those twice two bums. like, mouth to each other. Those two bums in the window in that scene, I laughed. I LOL'd, like, straight up last night. I was like, and I, ah! love, I, love when, I love when all the customers are, like, swarming in the shop in yes. that scene. And then they try to come in, but then, like, they like the customers, like... Like the customers leaving yeah. the shop and they're like pushed back. It's yeah. like they couldn't even get in. Yeah, love those two bums. Super funny. Um, and Christopher Guest's delivery is so stupid, but it just—I love it. It's just it makes works. sense. Mm-hmm. It, but the thing is, Scott mentioned that, this like, last, like almost robotic. Scott mentioned this last night as we were watching it. The main three, like all their performances or all their delivery, just kind of sounds super like a stage production mm-hmm. it's very yeah. heightened very heightened you know audrey obviously is heightened but even seymour when he's talking to audrey it's very like it's very earnest and everything's up here you know and and, and mushnik is just super over the top with his you know and accent just the and the character that. acting that rick moranis does when he falls over that's like a straight up a oh. trip a trip that you would see yeah like on stage it's like vaudeville the, like, almost just the, so it would the, read like, in the back row with the box of plants yeah which is like yeah. Um, and then after that scene, like they're all like, "Oh, my children, I'm gonna take us to dinner." And then like Audrey's like, "I can't. I have a day." <laughs> <laughs> so so then like that, I don't like on cue the plant like wilts. Yeah. And so so Mushnik's like just like you know what? I'm not even gonna take you to dinner, Seymour, even though it's your plant that like brought us all this money. <laughs> 
So, yeah, we have to like we have to eventually get to. Uh, I forget the song. Uh, the song grow title. For me? Yeah, grow for me. <laughs> when he finally discovers that uh, that it's blood, it's human blood. Well, like we like that that shows to us that Seymour is living in. Like you see his like squalid little like yeah. like dirty dirty his, cot his in the sad, back room, his of sad the, little basement the apartment. Shop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, um, the baby plant in that scene—that's some amazing puppet work. With when how, it grows, when it actually how, grows in camera, how the yeah, fuck do they not do that? Only it growing, but like the the whole the whole work where he pricks his finger and then he's sucking on, and then you see the baby plant go like, yeah, like give me some of that. How does and then how he puts do you, his hands yeah. towards it, and the plant like like tries to bite, and he pulls it away. And then he goes, gives it the other hand, and then the plant's like, uh-uh, no uh yeah. That's amazing. That's just, the fact that that's all puppetry. Yeah, it's all in I'm camera. Like, I'm just, I, I'm just amazed with that scene. Yeah, it's really good. And <sighs> I think what makes it so amazing is that when you look at it, like I was saying before about the the bigger Audrey, and you're just thinking maybe that's a person in there in the stem. Well, you just think with the plant, like Kermit, it's like a hand. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. You don't see. You watch it, and you're like, "That's not somebody's arm in a side of a puppet. It's too small. Yeah, it's too delicate. Yeah. So that's it's when you're just like, it's like How? those weird. It's like those bizarre shots in all the Muppet movies when they have Kermit or uh, Gonzo just laying on the ground. Yeah, and they just like, <laughs> yeah. and they just sort of like look up they or something. Get, they just sit up. And you're just like, who, what, who's, where's their hand? They're doing it with like yeah. some robotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some like, crazy. Or like, but they like ride bicycles in like yes. Muppets Take Manhattan. That's or still, like... That still blows me away. I still have no idea how they did that. And even when it's, it's, even when, when it's explained Henson to me, I still bicycle. can't quite wrap my mind around it. Yeah. Brian Henson was on a bicycle in front and there was another bicycle in back and they kept them taut. And that's how they kept them like up like that. I think so. there's I think there's a lot of different like each shot is like a different um yeah mechanism. We just revisited uh Great Muppet Caper. I love mm, the Great I Muppet bet. Caper. Lady Holiday. Lady Holiday's Please aren't breathing down your neck. <laughs> Every single shot of Miss Piggy in that movie where they use a full body stand in is very unsettling though. Oh, that's that's Muppets Take Manhattan when she's like skating. Yeah, when she's skating in Central Park. There's a few weird oh, shots yeah. of Great Muppet Caper where they use a, sand, a stand-in, when, and it's, it, it's so very uh, weird. Yeah, This this works for Little Shop, this conversation, because in a way, Little Shop was directed by Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yoda and so Miss Piggy. So after, after, um, after, um, oh, do they sing Some Fun Now Then, or... Yeah. No, she Audrey's somewhere that's green, and some fun is Audrey's right after somewhere I, that's green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Audrey's "I Want" song. Yeah, and I just noticed something rewatching this that broke my heart, and I love it that that there's that detail. Audrey, while she's singing the song, well, first she she has the little scene with the trio, and they mention who is this like. You dump the chump, get yourself a, a real man like Seymour. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't possibly with Seymour. So like you just said that, there's that whole scene. She goes into her apartment and she picks up a stuffed dog. Mm-hmm. A stuffed little, like, dog. And then in her dream of somewhere that's green, 
that dog is a real dog. Oh, it's the same kind of a dog. I've watched this movie so many times, and I just noticed that, like... I love Audrey's her. Apar- Audrey's apartment super cute. Audrey's apartment, well, yeah, adorable. It's uh, it's very Selena Kyle in Batman yeah. Returns. It mm-hmm. just has a lot of the same elements of Selena Kyle's apartment. It's just this like single career woman who doesn't have a lot of money, and she's just making do with what she has. And it's this tiny little space, but with a lot of lace, a lot of lace, lots <laughs> of you know, lots of synthetic and materials. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, stuffed animals everywhere. And um, somewhere that's green is an amazing song. The house, everything in her dream is so like hyper realistic and just like cardboard cutouts. And so we should also probably mention that Roy Walker was the production designer of this movie. And Roy uh-huh. Walker used to work with Kubrick a lot. Oh, he did The Shining. Uh, he did The Shining, Eyes Wide Shut. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's just sort of this uh, did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Okay. So just well, this... that's the connection because Frank mm-hmm. Oz also directed Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yep. Oh, there you go. So yeah, we were wondering if David Geffen probably pursued Tim Burton after Pee-wee's Big Adventure because there are certain sets of this movie that do look like they were pulled from, from Pee-wee. From various Tim Burton movies. On, on... Honestly, honestly, like somewhere that's green is very Tim Burton. Yeah, like that that whole like that whole nineteen fifties yep. suburbia aesthetic yep. for sure. That is very much like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, it's a Frank and um, Weenie. I, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's 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 supposed to be her dreaming of a better homes and gardens. Mm-hmm. You know, a picture out of better homes and gardens spread. Yeah, so that's what that whole thing's. I've noticed. I noticed their backyard has a chain link fence. Yeah, I noticed mm-hmm. that yesterday too. I, like, I noticed chain. that. I noticed. Um, I love. I love the animated bird. Like, yeah, she's like at the window and she, like, does the spin. Yeah, and the animated bird comes on her finger. Like somewhere that's green. I'm not even kidding. When like when I was little, I've reenacted that number so many times. Just prancing <laughs> around the living room. Just think, dancing around the living room with like a can of Lysol spray. I think what's so heartbreaking <laughs> about this song is that. This is her aspiration, right? This is aspirational for her. This is what she wants. This is her better life. But she's coming from Skid Row. So for Audrey, you know, having a tiny house in the suburbs with a chain link fence and, a you know, and plastic on the furniture and a toaster and, you know, and just a regular house and to her. pyramid scheme parties. Yeah. To <laughs> her, this marketing is, Tupperware parties. This is, you know, this is the ultimate. This is what she can only dream of this, you know. She can only look at that magazines kind of- and think about what, you know, one day maybe we can get this. So it's just like that. I, it just really illustrates, you know, like class structure and all of that, you know, that when, when you're in the gutter. To you, you know, this little tract house with with a chain link fence and a lawn is just the highest of aspirations, you know. And and, and the, the the one, like, most poetic bit of that is at the end of the song when she does the, like, pose mm-hmm. where she's reaching, like, out her window, like, reaching for that dream. And then you just see the drunk bum just walk by. Yeah. There's people <laughs> sleeping on the ground, you know. Yeah. I was telling Scott, you know, we when you watch these movies – on you know a 55 inch 4k tv you see things that you didn't used to see before oh yeah so now yeah. you see just like a dude asleep like in the corner yeah 
Because it's like it's it's so like it's such a, con- a conflicting scene that like yeah. her beautiful suburban dream, and then she's yep. reaching for it, yeah. And then you see like the actual like situation she's in right there, the filth. Which they kind of, they kind of um they do that again Seymour, and they do it again in the cut ending. But we'll we'll get to both of those in a bit. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk so about the, next, the cut the ending. Number, the next number is some fun now. The ska, is the ska fun, song. Like, the it's it's very it's very like caribbean but yeah. one thing that i want to point out the only reason i'm bringing this up is um in the background there's a billboard and it mm-hmm. says chew c-h-o-o-z and then it flickers and o-z is the only oh, thing yeah. that flickers so it's like a little shout out to frank oz there <laughs> some fun in, in, now hot damn ain't it having some, <laughs> some fun, fun now, now. sure enough. Yeah, that's their ska um, song. The I love that. I love that song. In the musical, that that song is also kind of a. That's when you, the last time we see the the shop in its old form, where it was like nasty and there's nothing in it, and now they're getting money. They're getting they're getting richer. So in the musical, there's a song called "Close for Renovation," which is usually cut because it wasn't in the movie. Mm. Um, it's one of my favorite songs in the whole musical, anyways. But after that scene, then they show the shop. Up with flowers they have you know they're, they're the the wallpaper's not peeling yeah they've renovated the shop um so the next scene after that is the the scene where it's mrs shipper mrs shipper yeah. and I, I have a note here about i was so like i'm still to this day when i was little i was so like obsessed with how audrey makes that funeral arrangement oh like, i was gonna mention phrase, with four flowers that's great yeah <laughs> Audrey like, uses all of her expertise, Lily. yeah, to make this flower arrangement, and it's staged in a way that you're like, okay, she knows what she's doing. We have no time. She's gonna put this flower arrangement together. But when you really watch it, it's she four does. lilies in a vase with some glitter. Four lilies in a with vase some glitter that she, that she glitter <laughs> that glitter that she like sprays glue on and then just kind of ah, so ah, like so artfully. Yeah, she's just a, a, a light dusting of glitter on these on these lilies. Is it? And, and I think we're at pod number four at this point. Like it's not at its biggest, yeah, but it's at like at the middle stage of how it's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a note here: her red dress. Audrey's wearing like a fabulous red dress in this scene. I have another note about a dress too. Oh, yeah. Is she wearing the ink blot dress when she's singing somewhere that's green? The black, yes, the black and that's white. That's yeah. so. That's so drag. That's the most rockabilly look. Mm-hmm. I think that black and, then, and white. And then her like lace, her lace um, arm sling. The fishnet, there. The fishnet oh, arm the, sling. The fishnet arm sling. I love. <laughs> oh, it's. Oh, oh my god, Audrey, you deserve so much better. Let that's, me tell you, you got tied up. No, just handcuffed. Just handcuffed. That's so <laughs> fucking clever. That, like, he sprained her wrist or, like, she fucked up her elbow or something. But she, like, she can't go to the doctor. She doesn't have money to go to the doctor. So she just makes herself a little sling. And what does she have? She's got fishnets, you know. And she just makes herself this little sling. And it's so smart, so clever, so Audrey. And it's so sad when you and see that, it. And, and that leads to Mr. Mushnick kind of, like, grilling Audrey about why she's dating um, Oren. And then- DTS. He's a professional. We have to talk a little bit about Steve Martin's casting as Oren Scrivello, DDS. So I was wondering if on stage this character has that Elvis way of talking, but 
He just um, thinks that it was just Steve Martin. Yeah, that's that's okay. So on like, unfortunately, because a lot of community theater actors base their acting decisions on, on the, movie, the movie version. On, sure, yeah. A lot of community theater actors play Oren Scrivello as, um, as like that Steve Elvis, Martin, yeah. Steve Martin and, doing and his Elvis Steve impression, Martin, yeah. So unfortunately, yes, that is how he's played because of bad actors who can't make their own decisions. Yeah, but in in uh, like in like he's really what it comes down to is he's he's um, a sadist. Yeah. So he's just like a sociopath. He doesn't care for anyone else besides his mom. His uh, mama. Oh mama. oh, mama. Oh, mama. <laughs> that shrine so, is so awesome. And it's I, la- I laugh so hard. And it's hard. so out of nowhere, too. It's so out With of nowhere. Christmas lights. So, <laughs> my favorite part is the, the rear projection behind him when he's on the motorcycle. Love he's love we were, so we were wondering how they shot that. Because yeah. it doesn't quite it's look totally, like a miniature. I don't know. It, it looks real, but it looks totally fake. Real. Yeah. It's totally rear projection. Like him driving through the city streets. That's that's rear projection. But like when he like takes off with Audrey and she's like pushing the right. the cycle, I like I have no idea. Right. No, 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 but we're saying um, where did they get the footage of the rear projection? Like was that some like, a camera in the back of a car in the 60s going down Broadway in New York or I, is that yeah, a set, I, you know, because it looks so I, it yeah, looks fake. Like I agree. Like it's it's I I have a note here. Like I honestly feel Little Shop had did such a good job of like making a 1960s environment. Like yeah. it hasn't been seen like that since like maybe like another movie that be comparative would probably be like Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, like how good they've recreated a well 1960s that didn't I think, really exist. I think uh, another movie that stands up to both of these is uh, Charles Bush in Die Mommy Die. <laughs> sure. Because some of the rear screen projection in that is LA in the 60s. Like, yeah, I'd be willing to bet the house probably down, just like, archived yeah. Warner rear projection. Yeah, I believe so. But I, th- I just want to say, you know, Steve Martin in this jet black shoe polish dye wig and these black jeans. Oh, and the and his 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 apron for the dentist and his, being like yeah. this like SNM leather yes. yeah. <laughs> and he's like on this motorcycle so he's wearing like the motorcycle Harley boots and he's got like the motorcycle jacket and all that stuff and just those black jeans and it's like Steve Martin is just like I don't know he's like this fatherly figure with like the gray hair and he's always just looked like this like older gentleman but I don't know I think he's looking pretty good in this movie uh, he's super handsome like I'm not Maybe wrong. We're all just thirsty for the men of Little Shop. I I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. There's like, yeah, <laughs> not Mitch, not Bill Murray though. Mitch, did you notice who uh, one of the one of Miriam Margulies, his, his worker? Nurse, who yes, was, who was Professor his Sprout. Miriam Margulies. I was like, and when he punches, her, and when he punches he just, her, punches her. I didn't think it was her because Poor I was Professor like, Sprout. why would she be in this just to get punched in the face? But that's her. Oh my bring God, her back. So funny in this. Too. She's really funny. And um, she's so good. I love. I was. I was noticing like. Like I love the gags in dentist. Like when he's like yeah. pulling out the guy's tooth, but he's like screwing Twist, it around, like it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like he's twisting it. Oh my god! And the one guy who's like Spider Manning on the ceiling, yeah. like oh, <laughs> and he like points down, and the guy goes ah, down in the chair. Say, I love. Ah. And, then the, and then the the point of view from the inside of the mouth, which is another amazing puppet. Yeah, mm-hmm. great puppetry work there. That's that's another thing that's just like the direction. I love Rick Moranis's facial expressions when he's just sitting in the dentist chair. 
<laughs> just he's just like sitting there, just just, just like acting with his face, just all of these expressions that he's giving. And Rick Moranis has a very expressive face. Um, we have to talk about Bill Murray just getting a boner in this ch- in this dentist chair. Yeah. So okay, grabbing so Steve Martin by the back season. of the head, like he's he's wants to fuck Orange Scrivello DDS. Okay, so I have I have some notes on that scene. The the young woman who leaves with a giant dental brace thing on her head, yeah. that's Jim Henson's daughter, Heather Henson. She can't even speak because she's in so much pain. That's Jim Henson's daughter. Okay. Um, Bill Murray's character, Arthur Denton, was um, Denton. Jack Nicholson's character from yes, the original we, we just yes, watched that indeed. scene with a very His name cute was Wilberforce. Young- in that scene. Yes. And Jack um, Nicholson, Jack- let me say, in the, in the original movie, Jack Nicholson is fucking queering it up in that. Oh, yeah. He's playing oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. super, super queen. Yeah. Like, so this character has definitely has roots in this, like, you know, subversive, like, homosexual, perverse desires oh, yeah. of being, like, well, dominated. Because he's, he's, he's into, like, he's into the, it's the professionalism I love. Every like his entire lines in that scene was entirely improvised. Yes, and I read somewhere that it took them like four to five hours just to film it, just because like he kept like making up stuff. Yeah, that's, Bill, we, that's Bill Murray. Um, we totally skipped the um talking about John Candy's scene, the radio announcer, the radio announcement, because that's right before somewhere that's green. Sure, and that's um, and that's right when Audrey's starting to explode in the press too. Yeah, yeah, Audrey Two yeah, is blowing so. up. I feel like the I feel like that bit, you know, wink, whatever. I don't like it. I don't care for it either. I don't like it. I like I like the bit where Audrey Two tries to bite the secretary's butt. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. That seems classic. Yeah. Where he like looks at Seymour, sees Seymour's not paying attention. Yeah, looks at the butt, looks at the camera. Yes, <laughs> the puppet looks at the camera like, should I? And it's and like, then Seymour sees that and like closes the mouth. And we love but John like, Candy. You know, this is like you know, this is Dark Helmet and Barf. You know, and sharing the screen together. The other but the, we but love, every, we like, love John Candy. But the original so, Lewis Tully, the original Lewis Tully. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's who they wanted mm-hmm. to be. Lewis Tully was John Candy, the, but the, you know, it, I don't know. That, I feel like it doesn't work. Uh, it's because he's like one of those comedians who thinks they're funny and like <laughs> and like has too much like like he says too much stuff and it's just like let the joke land before you make the next joke, buddy. I'm sorry, I love you both, but I'm gonna have to kill you with this with this machine gun. Yeah, I feel so very weird. I hate that. I yeah. hate that. It's a but it's I a... love I love the props of the people waiting. Like the nun with the saxophone. But that and crazy like, flying machine that that one guy yes. is like wearing. What is going on? And like and like the the boxes that are like chained up. Like I love that. But yeah. John Candy's performance, I'm just like, uh, we could cut that and like make the the show a little, the movie like a minute shorter. Sure, it's a pretty one note joke. It yeah. is. It's a one note joke. But it, you know, I feel like it's their John Candy's commentary on you know shock jocks and radio DJs. Yeah. And that stuff. But it's yeah. like who cares? It lifts right it's out. Kind of like Doctor Demento, I guess. I guess that's what they're trying to like make a reference to. But Doctor like, Dem- but Doctor Demento is a genius. Yeah. So I mean, let's let's not cross hairs here. Let's not, let's not let's not make any. No, 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 no. We love Doctor um, Demento. We have to make our way through the um, story. We don't have to make our way through the story, and I don't feel like so, we need to go. So what were there's so, too much story? So what are the other? If we're covering all of the themes of the movie, uh-huh. what are some other 
recurring themes. Themes. So I think that a big running theme of these characters and what uh, Howard Ashman writes is kind of to love and to and a desire to be more than who we actually are. Yes. All of these characters are striving for something better, even if the, it might not be attainable. Yeah. For them. For sure. Too. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost structured like a Greek tragedy, and we'll get to the ending. Oh, that the definitely. ending of the definitely. of the musical was a little more of a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said earlier, it is really a Faust story, yes. especially if you like, like in the musical number "Feed Me Seymour." The plant's just offering all the shit. To, like, how about a date with Hedy Lamar? A little nookie gonna clean up those zits. And like he's like he's like giving him like all these like offers. Yeah. And then and then like one of the one of the beats in the whole movie that like like you see the the like the light bulb, you see the snap, is when Oren slaps Audrey, the yeah. I'm sorry, Doctor, I'm sorry oh. slaps yeah. her. And then you in see silhouette. It, because you mentioned you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, Rick Moranis's facial acting. You see the snap. You see Rick Moranis just like I'm gonna in kill. He knows. Him. He knows what he has to do. Yeah, and he turns to the plant, and they. The guy sure looks like plant food to me. The guy so, sure looks like plant food to me. And what's and what's and what's kind of great about that scene is that you're completely on Seymour's side. Yeah, well, yeah. You know that yeah. this is what he has to do. Because everything like the dentist is a funny role, but you like the way he's written. You know he is irredeemable he is someone who needs to die so when seymour goes to like kill him it's kind of like i because i i always had this argument with my brother that seymour never actually killed anyone no not in the movie (laughs) yeah um well i mean you can make an argument that he killed mr mushnick but (laughs) yeah um he like the whole the whole scene with the 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 gas mask yeah when when Oren is like choking on like like choking on the gas mask, yeah, really. I mean, but so in the musical, there's a a, a a wonderful number called "Now It's Just the Gas," and Seymour has the lyrics. What we have here is an ethical dilemma. Less I let get the, less I let get the mask removed. He doesn't have a prayer. True, the gun was never fired, but the way events transpired, I could finish him with simple laissez-faire. So wow, he, very good. He, Oh yeah, I've done the show like twice. I I know I know everyone's lines. <laughs> um, so he killed. He he basically kills through inaction. Right. Um, Orin. I have notes here about the the, the scene, the dental slide that Orin shows Seymour. Like, oh, what is that? It, it's a dog's mouth. Oh, gross. So awful. It's so, it's so gross, and I love it. So gross. It's like remember the Simpsons, the Big Book of British Smiles. Yes. That's like, Lisa that's needs braces. Here's Lisa in two years. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Five the years. Line, the line there, the line there, that like just another one, that another beat that like makes this movie. When he's dying, he's like, "What I ever do to you?" And yeah. Seymour's like, "It's not what you did to me. It's what you did to her. Her, yeah. which her? Oh, her." And then he dies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's the end of Act One in the musical, and yeah. in the musical, the trio sing. Shingling, what a creepy thing to be happening. But in the movie, because it has to be more look out, look out, look out, look out. More cinematic. Yeah. In the movie it's more cinematic, they have like this almost 
Alfred Hitchcock. Where he's where the dragging. shadow of Seymour with the axe. Yeah. Chopping, chopping him up, man. And him and little Rick Moranis drive, like dragging this body bag. Yes. So funny. Uh, to the okay, shop, I think so is so funny. You notice, you notice the blood in that scene. You notice that it's kind of like a brown, right? I, I, I made a note of that because I feel that like if it was more red, that would have yeah. changed the, the rating. The rating, yeah. Kind of like, kind of like in Star Trek Six when they were killing the Klingons, and it's like this purple Pink, blood, yeah. like kind of like bubble gum. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I wrote that down because I'm like I was just like I was noticing that because I'm like I've watched this so many times I've never noticed that the blood isn't really red. Sure. It's more, and so I think maybe in like Sweeney Todd I was made fun of how the orange blood is. Maybe they made it orange so that it's not like a higher rating. Yeah. It's like uh, in Kill Bill Volume One, they made that entire Crazy Eighty Eight scene black and white. Yep, because there's so much blood yeah. on Uma Thurman. There's so much. Maybe maybe if the blood isn't red, it won't cause a higher rating. Yeah, so. that's probably a thing. Which I'm surprised but, that Audrey 2 doesn't want to eat someone that's alive. You would think that Audrey 2 well, would, would yeah. want blood from Well, like, she says it has to be fresh. Must be fresh. Okay. So freshly killed. Yeah. So she's not specifically saying give me somebody alive, but she is saying you can't just give me a steak. That's not going to work. I'm going to go to Schmendrix and get you a nice chop sirloin. Schmendrix. That's the that's the, <laughs> um, that's the that's the musical again. I love it. Um. So so the scene before that, Seymour is talking with Audrey about like maybe going shopping. Yeah. And. And in the musical, they kind of allude because, like, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to show you something, Audrey," and he comes out with wearing Orin's leather leather jacket. Yes, we saw that in the staged reading with Ellen Green and with, Jake Gyllenhaal. With Ellen Green and and Jake Gyllenhaal. And let me, and was let so, me, that was so sweet. So I sweet. And let me say this about Ellen Green: When was that done? It was only done like it, a year it was and a like, half ago or so. Yeah, it was like a few years ago. It was like two or three years ago. So this is fully like thirty years later. And those, Ellen Green those bosoms still, still like, yeah. those bosoms still look pretty perky. Those, oh God. those bosoms look amazing. The face is snatched. Uh, we haven't really gotten that deep into Ellen Green, but uh, I remember seeing Pushing Daisies and going, "Oh my That's God, she's Audrey. so good Pushing Daisies, so good." She's got like an eye patch and like all. Oh, no, that's Susie Kurtz. Oh, that's Susie Kurtz. That's the iPad. Okay, sorry. Sorry. But she's one of the, like, spinster aunts, and it's just, like... The the darling mermaid darling. And, like, leave it... She was actually in, like, an HBO or Cinemax made-for-TV movie where she was, like, a a pastor or, like, a televangelist, and she has to solve a murder or something. It was called, like, Glory, Glory. I bring this up because I know Jacob's going to listen to this episode, and if I didn't bring up Glory, (laughs) Glory, I know he's going to, like, freak out. But... But we always share this. She, there's this really tacky music video in it, mm-hmm. and it's Ellen Green singing this like, like, like soul song, and it's so tacky, and I love it. Her voice. Everything I needed. Everything I needed to know about being sexy, I learned from <laughs> Ellen Green in Little Shop of Horrors. So how to carry yourself. Let how me to ask get a man. you. Let me ask you this uh, about Ellen Green and her performance. Now she's playing. Audrey and Audrey's got this crazy Brooklyn accent and she's got the lisp and she's very she's very up here everything's super high and she's Audrey and she's very very feminine and when she sings 
she oh god belts she belts and she and she belts it and she belts it in the accent too she a she's belting she's some talent right there she's doing an accent she's doing a voice in the singing which is crazy hard everything is she's not in her head voice she's in her diaphragm everything is coming out of her belly when she's singing this this stuff and what i noticed in the staged uh, reading with Jake and with Ellen is that when she would go into these belting, you know, uh, runs, A, the audience would applaud, but B, they would laugh. So oh, yeah. is it is she doing that for comedic effect or is that just how well, Ellen sings? That That's really how she, she sings, but I think yeah. part of it is... Part of it is a comedic effect because yeah. Audrey's this like so the way she performs Audrey yeah. is this very like over the top, but really like reali- not realistic, but like she's an over the top, almost drag queen. Yeah. Oh, she's almost yeah. a drag queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, her, her hair is fully. Is her hair is almost bigger than her shoulders. Yeah. Oh yeah. The proportions yeah. And that, are crazy. And that perfect like swirl. Um, suddenly Seymour is the next musical oh. number. Which oh, it's so ever, good. That's my like, favorite. Oh my gosh. The way it is, the way it is filmed is so poetic. This broken down, you know, these ruins. But if you look closely, you notice what's growing. The ruins are growing. There's plants growing on those brick ruins. Yeah. So it's showing that, like, it's kind of showing, illustrating um, Audrey and Seymour's. They're in the. They're in like the rut. They're in the gutter. They're in Skid Row, but they have hope. Yeah, on top of this broken down, this you know, broken down, yeah, this brick. broken down like building that probably fell over yeah. this flop house that there's like they can still and yeah. plants growing. Yeah, but it's also kind of ironic that it's plants growing through there. Well, true. It's symbolism. Yeah. It's symbolism for um for hope, but yeah. it's also plants. You know, we just watched mahogany. Mahogany. <laughs> Mahogany with Diana Ross from uh, the 70s. Men love me. The women love me. Everybody. Everybody loves me. Mahogany. I'm a winner, baby. So uh, the thing about Mahogany is that it is the south side of Chicago in the early 70s. And what we really noticed about this movie is that it was shot in the south side of Chicago in the early 70s. So unlike Little Shop, Mahogany is going for realism. But what you get is, fuck, man. This area of Chicago was like urban blight, like oh, yeah. blight, and yeah, this and that's yeah, that's some like it's some like Candyman shit. Oh, this is oh, definitely <laughs> some Candyman shit right here. This oh, is no, don't say it one more time. No I more. know we that twice. That twice we only have three more. Um, <laughs> this is you know uh, uh, what's uh, what's the. The horror movie about the STD that will kill you. It follows. It follows. That's, it, that's oh, in Detroit. And that's Detroit. That's Detroit. Scary. So, scary urban Detroit. There is something about urban blight and about broken down buildings. And, and as fantastic and over the top as this movie is, suddenly Seymour takes place in this spot where you can tell it was one of these brownstones, one of these brick buildings that everything else has taken place in. But this particular spot is raised to the ground and all that's left is the foundations and the brick stairwells in the you know in the foreground and the background 
and a metaphor for the foundation of the relationship. Yes, and there's oh. some there's some yeah. camera work when Seymour oh, gets yeah. up there. There's angles when there's Seymour gets up to layers. the to the top of the steps and meets Audrey, and the camera inches over, and there's the chorus across the oh, way. Oh God, I love that on I like a fire escape. Oh, and then so and good. Then the next time we see the chorus, it's the complete opposite. In here, they're like almost angelic. But when they come mm-hmm. in in supper time, they're slinking through the shadows. Oh they're yes, coming shadows. out of the shadows. That's so they're, cool. It's, it's completely opposite. So, so cool. Seymour, suddenly Seymour, we've got the angles. We've got yeah. like symbolic. We've got symbolic hope. We've got all this, and then Mushnik comes in and and shits all over. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like Frank Oz. Everything before this, he was co-directing with. Jim, and now he's directing this on his own, and there is some really good it's direction. Good. His, in like this his direction movie. is really good. So, um, I'm I'm bringing up supper time because um, that's the only time you see Seymour feed a living person yeah, to the plant. So dark. When when he uh, in the musical he he tricks Mister Mushnick. Uh-huh. He like he's like uh, just knock on the plant and it'll open up. That's where I've got the the receipts for the day hidden. Uh-huh. But in this he just kind of backs Mister Mushnick up into the plant and the plant takes over. So in the movie they make it more Seymour didn't kill Mister well, Mushnick. Yeah. It just you know another accidental death. Yeah. But in the musical Seymour killed Mister Mushnick. Well, I think this movie had and I mean we'll talk about it, but I think this movie really was shaped by screenings yes oh yes you know yeah, well i was also audience. reading yeah, we'll i was also it. reading that wasn't the dentist office supposed to be kind of uh bloody and gross bloody and gross yeah and it didn't test oh, yeah. well so they had to go back and reshoot all that yeah which that's a major that's a major reset from a test yeah. audience screening yeah seriously oh, yeah. So, um, so supper time i'm i'm mentioning cuz the that scene is like another like the the music that's that the music in that yeah. scene is like one of my favorite in the whole musical and in the whole show yeah. in the whole movie, and just the way the trio just appear out of the yes, shadows, out of the shadows, like, and then they creep back so in, creepy. at and the they end, creep back in after walking yeah, backwards after after, uh. after Mushnik is eaten by the plant. Mind you, those legs were robots, were um animatronic. I legs. thought I was like. That can't be uh, with Vincent no. Gardenia. I was like, that can't that be him. him. Like those were animatronic legs <laughs> peeking out of peeking out of um, ass over tea I kettle in this. <laughs> that scene with the legs kicking was on the the miniature set. Okay, that sure. makes sense. That tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, you guys, interesting. not to go back to no, go Frank for Oz. It. Go but for it. I love it. Frank Oz has a very interesting. Filmography. Yes. Yes. So, oh, yes. Uh, he co-directed *The Dark Crystal* and yeah. *Muppets Take Manhattan*. Yeah. Um, did a little work on *Sesame Street*, just probably uh, uncredited directing segments, probably. Sure. You besides *Puppeteer*. Mm-hmm. And then *Little Shop*, *Dirty Rotten Scoundrels*. Uh, what about Bob? House sitter, the Indian in the cupboard. <gasps> that was I so know. interesting. I read that and I was like, "What?" I didn't. And then know also, that. kind of in the late nineties, did two really great comedies, In and Out and Bowfinger. Uh huh. <gasps> Bowfinger, Chubby Rain. And this is where his his filmography just gets kind of bizarre. The score the with with line. Edward Norton. With Edward Norton and score, uh, yeah. Marlon Brando and De Niro. 
And supposedly, like, De Niro was just talking shit to him the whole time. Oh, my God. That he was being directed by Miss Piggy. Oh, and then the Stepford bitch. Wives, which you would think that would be a really good fit. But talk about a but movie that... So well, just talk about a movie that just face plants. I know! <laughs> like, as they're making it, literally two... It's so literally, like, just two scripts that they just, like, mesh together. And no, then he no. did Death at a no, Funeral, no. and that's pretty much the last feature that he did i liked it that a funeral but it's a remake and it's a pretty yeah. no pretty I, literal remake i think it's is it the original no the original's british no 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 he directed he, he directed, did, the, he directed the massive fadian original i'm sorry he did do the original and that's it he didn't do the black one yeah okay yeah got it, got it. well so old frank oz but you're yeah. right there are really well-directed scenes of this movie uh-huh crazy and i'm wondering if maybe a lot of those scenes like who was a dp on this did he have like a really seasoned dp that came up with a lot of this because i feel like a lot of the time if the director is maybe not so creative maybe the maybe the dp came in and was just like i've got some ideas for these shots uh uh, well the dp did superman 3 and superman 2 oh well, in trading but not places, Supergirl? but not <laughs> mm-hmm. the superior movie. Did, did Supergirl? Superman too. So, so, so he he worked a lot with Dick Donner. Dick Donner, yeah, okay. Um, and John Landis. So it's not like Douglas Trumbull like shot this movie or anything. But I just think that Frank Oz was really good at shooting yeah. puppets. Yes, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he a, knows about the visual language yeah. that needs to be. It's it's and a good film. About paper. It, this is this is the same year that. They were do that labyrinth came out yes, too. Yes, indeed. So yeah, so there, like that was a good year for puppets. Oh, it lost. Um, it lost the visual effects Oscar to Aliens, which I'm okay with. Which yeah, yeah. that's about right. I'm okay with yeah. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Is like, come on, Aliens. There's some really good Xenomorph Queen work in that movie. And yeah, that's some puppetry. Yes, that's some puppetry yeah. right there. That that Alien Queen is like. Um, Dudes. Another movie, another movie that came out in 1986 with with uh, lots of puppet work that you don't really think about was you know Star Trek Four. Yes, indeed. The, the whales. The we whale almost. Puppet. I. We almost blues. did. We almost did Star Trek Four for this episode for you. Let I me t- know. Let me tell you this: we watched it's Star Trek Four the other day, and I blew Scott's mind. I I just casually, offhandedly said, "You know those humpbacks are puppets," and Scott's head like <laughs> I was like what. Because they're so good, they look yeah, like they're, they're fucking so, whales. It was a good year for puppets. They look like whales, like <laughs> shit. Um. Um, <laughs> so the, the musical number after after supper time, the meek shall inherit, where the yeah. the trio are on the like typing circle and they're perfectly nine to five in it. They're like, you know, the meek shall inherit. Yeah, you know, the book doesn't lie. Um, that's kind of that's kind of hitting us over the head with the the Faust theme of the yes. the, the whole the yes. whole show, but it really ties it together because they're an end game after that number like like yeah Seymour like like proposes to Audrey she wears her fabulous wedding dress like they're about to go to like downtown which where, wearing her fabulous wedding where did dress. she get this what she just had this in her closet I well I <laughs> take it that, that this is a that this is a woman that just dreams of her wedding day True. so maybe so maybe she just picked it up at a oh, thrift store that tracks yeah that tracks oh my she God, just she just picked it up more, at a thrift store even more tragic even more sad but I totally buy it that Audrey's just like I love her I like this dress it fits I'm gonna buy it I love when she She's packing her little suitcase. Oh my god! 
Oh my god. Is she going <laughs> to sublet then, her house? Then, I don't know. <laughs> is she, is she going to sublet and that then, cute little apartment? She's just going to run, cut and run. And then the plant, the plant, like the plant, like beckons leaving her, her like obscene voicemail. Beckons, <laughs> yeah, beckons, her, beckons her to come over to the shop. When, <laughs> when the plant arm dials that goddamn oh my god i die it's so funny that little like finger and just like the the little bit of character yeah like the little bit of phone waiting for her to pick up (laughs) the little bit of character acting when he looks for change in the yes he like puts (laughs) the little tendril in the little change and you could see that as they were shooting that that probably wasn't planned and the and the puppeteers just thought you know it would be funny yeah if you just (laughs) Checks to see if there's a quarter in there. In this old 60s phone. Yeah, I love that. So good. So good. And that's, and that's one of those things that I'm not even a proponent of, like, visual effects and CGI has ruined filmmaking. I'm fine with it. And there's yeah. definitely art to be there's said in that. There's a place for it. But there's nothing like yeah. just nothing like- jaw-dropping effects like this yeah. that you really don't see anymore in movies. Yeah. When you so look at the- at we're at the point in the movie where it branches into two different timelines, mm-hmm. depending on if you're watching the director's cut oh, sure. or the original. Yes. So I will say I enjoy the theatrical cut because I like these two characters to have a happy ending. I like a good happy ending. I like that these two get what they want, and I feel like we're at such a dark place in society that I kind of like that it doesn't turn... Uh, apocalyptic at the end of it and they get what they want. Yeah. So that was super satisfying. But that said, those cutscenes, they put a lot of work into oh my God. the it deleted six, the deleted ending them, of this movie. Yeah. It cost them an additional six million dollars to refilm the ending. Oh my God. To refilm another six million dollars. Is this uh, all out of um, Geffen's pocket? I feel like if I was a Warner exec, I would be like, sorry, sorry kids, <laughs> we're keeping this ending. <laughs> We're not spending um, any more so, on this movie. So, depending on if you're watching the director's cut or the original, the director's the, the I'm sorry the the theatrical cut it's um, James the, the the untalented Belushi brother. James, Which one's he? Yeah, James? Jim James Belushi. I was joking Jim. last it's, night. It was the it was the one that should have died. Ooh. And, then I, oh, and then I felt geez. and then I felt kind of uh. bad after I said that. So so. He's playing uh, uh, the second time I did um, Little Shop. I played this role, Patrick Martin, okay. who is going to cut off pieces of the plant yes. and make mm-hmm. you know, he's cutting off little buds, and he's gonna buds, propagate. and he's gonna sell them across the world. Yeah. And with the right marketing, it's gonna be bigger than hula hoops. <laughs> bigger than hula hoops. <laughs> Much bigger. Oh my god. So, so, um, so. Would you would you feed someone to an Audrey too? That's the question. If you were like getting offered like, oh, there's definitely people... customers that come into my job that I would love to feed to Audrey too. Oh, I would. I've I have like a small list of people. Yeah. I would <laughs> if say. you work in customer <laughs> service, <laughs> easy done. It's a well, clean, I can think of if there's any uh, if you really need to get rid of somebody. I mean, come on, this is the only way to go. There's it, no body. It, there's no body. It cleans up yeah. all the evidence. Of course, I would buy an Audrey 2 on Etsy like nobody's business. <laughs> Come on. 
or Reddit. I guess you'd have to go into the dark web to get it in, in 2020. <laughs> no, Audrey 2 would be sold in like – okay, so the, the director's cut. First off, Audrey comes – you know, she comes to the shop and the plant's like, you know, grabbing up her skirt. Yeah. Like, grossing me out. And then he eats her. He's like, yeah. they, they, you know, mm, straight he's up like kills in the, Audrey. Both the director's cut and the theatrical cut. He's like, she's in the plant's mouth. Yeah. And what happens but in the, in the musical? director's cut? Mm-hmm. In and the what musical, happens in the musical? The stage version, she dies. Oh, she dies. Sad. Yeah. She sings. She sings a reprise of somewhere that's green, which is the saddest in all of musical theater. That's the saddest <laughs> moment in my mind because the way and it's so poetic because like they, she sings this like, when you feed me to the plant. I'll be part of the plant, and in a way, I'll be somewhere that's green. Oh, and then Jesus. she's like, "You'll wash my tender oh, leaves. <laughs> You'll hear me bud and bloom." And then, like, he just like, and it's so poetic. Like they describe it in the they describe it in the script as it being like Paita, you know, the statue of Mary yeah, holding sure. the you yeah. know the dead Jesus. And so she's like, kind of like submerged into the plant, and then like the 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 ensemble sings like this like heavenly choir, and it's so sad. And so, so I can see why the test audience are like, "Uh, what? She did?" Because <laughs> there's certain things that work on yeah. stage that doesn't necessarily work in a movie. I yeah. mean, just look back a few years ago when they did Into the Woods. Yeah, they changed the ending of that like drastically. Which yeah. I don't yeah. mind the movie ending of Into the Woods. I know that's a very hot and cold subject with certain <laughs> theater fags, but come at me, greens, greens, nothing but greens. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a similar situation here sure well um i i also i'm actually of the camp that i prefer the director's cut i okay. i prefer it i like mainly because it's like i you know i grew up with the musical yeah so i i i prefer that kind of downer ending so let me ask um, you this also, did you were you able to purchase that like dvd and or blu-ray release that was put on the shelves for like five minutes before david geffen was like okay so that's Let's actually yank I think it. that is where that's i think that's where the lawsuit came in sure when that that dvd release like they didn't have the rights to they didn't have the rights cleared for that um for that release so it was like like you said it was on the shelf for like a minute yeah um i have i have the blu-ray release that came out like two years ago three years and ago that, and that has all the, when. that has the and it the has alternate ending it has the, the alternate ending okay in fact netflix i remember netflix when they had little shop of horrors they had the alternate ending you didn't have an option to play the theatrical ending what that's how yeah, the Supergirl was copy how- was. Wow. They had a they had a, a different cut of Supergirl wow. on there. Yeah. The the um the far superior of the Superman franchise. <laughs> well, we covered it. Show <laughs> back to our, our Supergirl episode. I know. Go listen to that, friends. <laughs> Mitchell, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, living in an abandoned amusement park haunted house ride. <laughs> the, using witchcraft to fight a superhero over a gardener. Schlitz. Yeah. yeah. Schlitz to your <laughs> spiked schlitz to your gardener. <laughs> um so I love it. So they do kind of change one of the lyrics in the finale song, Don't Feed the Plants. Uh-huh. In in the musical, it's um, they can offer you lots of cheap thrills, fancy condos in Beverly Hills. So in the movie, they change it to they will offer you lots of cheap th- thrills, 
fancy discos in Beverly Hills. And they cut to a disco. Like, these people are, like, 1960s dancing in a disco. And Audrey 2 breaks in and starts eating them. What? <laughs> yes! I love it! I love We didn't see that I on YouTube. Bizarre- I think that we did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love how bizarre the alternate ending is. Like, Audrey, giant Audrey 2 is, like, destroying New York. It's insane. Yeah. I um, do love the visuals of two giant Audrey's. Oh, there's like five. Like yeah. One eating when the there's same, multiples the... of them, I was like, this is beautiful. And it's one yeah. of those things that I do think this, that ending would have landed with the larger audience because it gets so crazy. Yeah. That it, yeah. it just turns memorable. Yeah. Can you just imagine that in 3D? If yeah. Stacey oh, had it. Oh, my God. I <laughs> don't think this movie would have worked directed by Scorsese. No. Well, too. 1986 3D technology is no because if Jaws 3D is anything to go on, and we <laughs> and we and we own it in 3D. Oh my god! I'll I mean any movie with Dennis Quaid in the 80s I'll watch because you've got the opportunity to see his buns, or at least <laughs> him in or at least him in super tight pants, super tight shorts. Jaws yeah. three, Jaws three is my favorite of the Jaws franchise, and mainly. Because it's set in SeaWorld. It is set we in SeaWorld. We should probably do a Jaws 3D I think we, episode. I think we need to do Jaws it's a, 3D. It's a good one. It's got Leah Thompson. It's got SeaWorld. It has Cindy and Sandy. It has two two. You would need to get Jacob hot, on for that one. It has like, two of the like, hot Brody when brothers. When I go to SeaWorld, he just makes it all into quotes about <laughs> Jaws 3. I could only I imagine. I SeaWorld and the whole time. The whole time it was just quoting Jaws 3. I could, only, I could only imagine doing like a SeaWorld tour or something with you two. Where they introduce yeah. like dolphins, Cindy and Sandy, yeah, two twin dolphins that that Bess Armstrong is the main wrangler. You know, for. I will say uh, about Bess Armstrong's work in that movie, she's actually like training that killer whale. She is riding yes, a she fucking is, orca. She is doing like yes. she's, she's training that whale. She's riding an orca. She's feeding dolphins. She is in it to win it. Bess Armstrong is um, like no joke in that movie. We stand you, Bess. Yes, come on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> So, um, so to end it all, going going from the the alternate ending cut to um, the the um, theatrical yeah, ending, yeah. the only time you ever see the plant with a green screen is when Seymour's destroying the plant with electricity at the end of Mean Green sure. Mother. Sure, sure. Everything else, it's obviously everything camera. No green it's obviously an effect shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that was my favorite line. Oh. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, little, little, like nine-year-old me watching this, like taking notes on new swear words. Yeah. Like, hey, does that <laughs> does that bring to mind Data's big swear word in Generations <laughs> as they're like the saucer section of the Enterprise D is careening towards the planet, and and it cuts to a close-up of of Data going, "Oh shit!" Because he's got <laughs> see, his emotion see, chip in there. See, this is why this is why Scott did not want to do Star Trek Four because he would just <laughs> geeked out about Star Trek for two hours. They, <laughs> but it just calls to mind that artfulness of throwing in a swear when it yeah, needs to be a choice swear. Yeah, when it needs to be in there because you know that it's so crazy. Um, do you know what swear so word? The, the, I was going to say. Do you know what swear word I was always obsessed with as a kid? It, it kind of t- ties towards this. It was when Princess Vespa gets her hair. <gasps> Yeah, like you uh, shot my hair. You shot my hair, son, son of, of a bitch. bitch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I said that in front of my mom as a kid, and she probably just slapped me. He shot my hair, son of a bitch. Oh, so good, so, so good. So the 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 reshot ending 
the very end where it's like the somewhere that's green happily ever after. Yes. They couldn't get all three of the trio. Tashina Arnold is not in the shot. Oh, I didn't notice that. I noticed it. I was like, Tish Campbell, I'm sorry. Tashina Arnold is in the shot. Tish Campbell's not in the shot. Tashina Arnold and Michelle Weeks are in it. They got a body double for the third trio. Oh, you see your legs. Yeah. Like the legs. You just see your legs. Because that's scroll down and you see the baby on and it's so and it's so it stands out because every shot of the trio you see all three of them and for some reason it just and that's pans down with before you get to tisha campbell and and that's tisha campbell do you think that gina when gina heard that they were doing research she's like for real you're still working on that movie aren't you done with that aren't you done with it She's like, I'm shooting like House the Party. Cast of New Mutants, probably. No, she the cast of New Mutants. Oh, yeah, right now. Like, you're still shooting that. Yeah, it's no. Five years later, Tisha Campbell was like, I'm making this movie with Kid and Play. I can't get. <laughs> I can't go to London. I'm in LA. I'm working on House Party, and this is going to be my big break because, yes, House Party is fucking amazing. House Party is good. House Party is so funny. Have you ever seen House Party, Mitch? House Party. The Jammy Jam. Uh, no, House Party One is superior. House Party One is uh, iconic. I do stand by the dad in House Party. What's his name? Robin Harris. I think that Robin Harris should have been Oscar nominated for that he's movie. So I think funny. he's really, really good. So funny in House Party. Don't I love mind. how many. I love how many movies besides Little Shop of Horrors we've touched on. In this, oh come on! In this journey <laughs> we have taken this evening. This is a movie podcast. So we're here to talk <laughs> about. All the movies that influence uh, Mitch, our lives. Did, uh, I should probably show you. We have a laser disc. I love that. Shop okay. Of I want you to look really closely at the trio in the um, on the cover there. Mr. Notice Mushnick something about them. Fine. Uh, okay, so see- at the very bottom, next to that classic car. Oh, look there they are. There's the trio. Yeah, there they but are. But look at them. Notice something that's a little off about them. They're white. No, in this one, <laughs> in this one, two of them are white. One of them's black. <laughs> we'll do a close up for the for the Instagram. Do you think this is a Drew Struzan, uh, a Drew Struzan poster? Possibly, it could be, it but I don't know like that it. it's illustrative love, enough. Okay. So I, I like the the biggest fight in my like musical theater career is where Little Shop of Horrors is set. Right. The the original movie is firmly set in L.A. Los and there's even LA. I I think like, that Seymour has a line that he strives to have a floral shop in Pasadena, too. Yeah, in like, the original movie. Yeah, like I mean they kind of they kind of cover that in the musical because flowers for a prom corsage, flowers for an entourage, flowers to the funeral home, leaving from St Andrew's Roman Catholic Church on Ninth and Vine, and then they get the Rose Bowl calls them to get ah, all the plants for the Rose Bowl. Okay. So they mention the Rose Bowl a lot in the musical. Okay. And Skid Row is the a name movie. for and Skid Row originated downtown. Skid Row too. originated in Los Angeles. LA, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a Los yeah. Angeles it was so, the, the Midnight Mission. Yeah. So when I watched it last night, when I watched Little Shop of Horrors, I'm like, fuck, this is New York. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I fought tooth and nail. I'm like, it's set in L.A. It's, I swear to God to you, it's set in you L.A. Were, the you were sort of right. The, original movie, mm-hmm. the musical and the original movie probably set in L.A. The the 1986 version, you see, you can full on see the Chrysler building. And I'm just like. There's a subway. Ugh. There's a subway. Yeah, well, there's a there's yeah. a, it's an elevated subway, but it's there. That's the one that's taking the warriors home. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> warriors, yeah. Come yeah. Back to 
for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's clearly come out and like stab some more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't fuck with the babysitter. Oh, that's Chicago. You just see like one of the. You just see like the mime gang or like the yeah the baseball furies. The baseball furies just like run around in the background. Yeah, it's and then also in the director's cut, you see Audrey too on the Statue of Liberty. But you know, uh-huh. she's taken over the world at this point, so she could there's, have gone across there's, the country. There's a really hilarious kind of like they show um, in the director's cut when they're like subsequent to the events you have yeah. just witnessed. They show the like feeding frenzy of people buying Audrey two plants, yes. and it's like the big, the best like back Black Friday scene you'll ever see. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that when they do. The Greg Belante, right? He's he's tapped for the remake. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, I, I think he's yeah. Isn't it Greg Belante from the oh, Flash? Berlanti, yeah. Berlanti. Greg Berlanti. I hope that they keep the original ending. I think in twenty twenty we'll be able to keep it a dark mm-hmm. ending. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm hopeful for. I think it could be fun. I was reading online of these bogus, uh, bloody, disgusting post from uh it's a it's like a horror website it was from about 2010 and somebody planted the seed that tim burton was prepping for a remake with johnny depp which i'm sure was 100 percent bullshit false false, false. he was never doing that ever and it just sort of like spread online that he was doing it we just like can can we just like like get a little restraining order between Johnny Depp and Tim Burton for yeah. a few years. They, like, need to, they need to take a break. I think, they're, I, I think guys, they're already having a break a right now. Yeah, they're they're on a timeout. Frankly, mm-hmm. I mean Johnny Depp's yeah. on a timeout from Hollywood. But yeah, I feel like we can. I feel like we're at a point where we can do a darker ending to uh, a movie, and it can still get a theatrical release. Or oh least, yeah, yeah, definitely see the light of day, and not and just like. YouTube special feature <laughs> supplemental materials. But um I don't know. I think something about this property, I mean, granted, we we have like we talked about Howard and we talked about just his uh what did you call Mitch his um his signature the song? I want songs. The I the want, I want songs, songs and everything. It's, it's what Bell opens Beauty and the Beast with it's Ariel the, Part of Your World. Yeah, it's part of your world, it's this, this provincial life, you know, it's it's all this, you know Aladdin song. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I, I do have to I do have to because we have been mentioning Howard Ashman a lot, mainly because he died. Yeah. But we Alan also Menken. have to, the music was yeah. composed by Alan Menken. Alan, Alan Menken. Menken. And it's it's Alan very Menken. if you're familiar and, with Alan Menken melodies and such. Alan Menken's fingerprints are all over this movie. But, all over this but movie. How Ashman is the one who did the lyrics. The lyrics. He's the yes. one who puts the poetry behind all of these songs. Let me let me just say this. Uh, years ago, when The Little Mermaid was released on DVD the very first time, uh, my gay ass went out and bought it, and it's full of supplemental materials. And there mm-hmm. was a very in-depth feature about Howard and about mm-hmm. Alan. And it talked about all of this. And it talked about how Disney took a chance on these like freaky deaky homos from downtown that wrote this crazy little shot musical and they moved forward with them in Little Mermaid. And it just kind of changed 
everything it for Disney. completely changed the direction of animation. Changed everything. Do you think that a lot of that was was Jeffrey Katzenberg? I mean, it had to have been. Yeah, it had to have been. You know, and these two kind of came in, and what are the odds that a company like Disney? Would take a chance on on these these fringe. This these, is fringe. Yeah, this is fringe. fringe. Little shop, fringe, cool New Yorkers. Oh my god! Yeah, and their fingerprints are all over Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. You know, from Ursula and you know Flotsam and Jetsam and like all this. Ursula. Oh like, my god! Come Ursula on. designed to look like divine. Yeah. But not like kind of look like divine. Like, she, she, bitch, like she looks she like she looks like divine. divine. Face. Bitch. I love it. I love it because when there was like that same DVD release that you're talking about, mm-hmm. there is a documentary about the making of Little Mermaid, yep. and John Waters is interviewed in yes. a Disney DVD. Yes, it's so crazy. <laughs> and you know they they talk about Howard, the good and the bad. They talk about what a genius he was, but they also talk about the fact that he would go into these recording sessions and say. You need to sing it like this. That's what, and Pat, then he would sing it. That's what Pat Carroll says. Yeah. Well, that's why B. Arthur yep. is not the voice of Ursula, because yeah. Howard would go in and say, "Hey, B, I think you should sing it like this," and she would say, "Well, I'm fucking B. Arthur, bitch. So if you don't want it, go what? get somebody yeah. else." And they did. Um. So, so do you know what the uh? Howard Ashman off-Broadway play that he did with Jodie Benson was that got her cast in Little Mermaid. Uh, God bless you, Mr. Rosewire. It's a no. It's a one. T- it's a one word. Oh, smile, smile. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Smile. Yeah. Disneyland. That's what Magic Jody, Kingdom. That's where Jodie Disneyland. Came in. Yeah. That that legit song, Disneyland. I know Jacob's like at home in Fresno <laughs> Squeen right now because he just sang that. <laughs> He's driving <laughs> driving his toenails into his into his heels. Speaking of which, I would love to see Jody Benson as uh, Audrey. I think she would be really good. Yeah. I, Jody Benson's like surprisingly a church lady. Like Is she? Like you, is she? Yeah, she's, like really, she's like like a church lady. Like but, you know, but she like the, the worship I think band that she's and, a church lady that loves the gays. Sure. Though I, I think that she's, I think that she's kind of like uh, Lisa Wishell from Facts of Life. Lisa Wishell, like, oh my God. like she's super I churchy, really but 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 she does say that she's she like loves her gay fans though. Yeah, they gave her her career. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. Well, okay. So, Little Shop. There are reasons that this particular property speaks to the homosexual in all of us mm-hmm. you know we're reaching out for something that is just out of reach you that's know somewhere that's green reach. That's a, you're like you're uh, just reaching for that dream yeah. right there and also just kind of like wanting a husband and kids around the time this was written yeah that's like such oh, a yeah. far-off dream for it's, a gay man yeah, it's that uh, that would mm. that would just be the unthinkable yeah like why would you even want that because it's not even yeah attainable yes around the and time that like six rick moranis and tight mm-hmm. khakis you know oh my god around so the time cute. that like howard so wrote this musical like that would have been untainable yeah for of sure being mm-hmm. howard if you were to ever fall in love with another man and get married and move to the suburbs and have kids yeah Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that, the music is, I mean, not everybody is going to have the opportunity to see this production on a stage. But what we have is 
The movie. The movie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these kids can go, and kids can go and, and rent this online. They can stream it. And the songs in this movie are fire. Yeah. Like, yes. all these songs are so singable, so and memorable. That's, and that's part of the, uh, the thing about kind of so good. new musicals that are written, kind of like Hamilton. <laughs> And also, like, if you look at new stuff like La La Land that try really hard to do a new movie musical, yeah. my thing is, and it was also my problem about Mary Poppins Returns, yeah. is that I don't think the music is that great. Yeah. I don't care about the songs of Mary Poppins yeah. Returns. Yeah, like, I really don't care about any of it. Yeah. Yeah. But these songs mm-hmm. are just singable. You want to hear them. You want to sing them again. They're just... They make you feel something they, as you're listening to it. Yeah. They all go up to this crazy crescendo. Every song it just has a buildup, you know? And it's from the beginning. The mm-hmm. opening credit song. Like... And the first, what, 20 minutes of this movie have, like, has three huge songs, right? Mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors. Skid Row. Okay, maybe um, two songs. <laughs> um, well, no. Okay, Little Shop of Horrors. And it I goes mean, up right to into Skid Row. Me, yeah. Like, yeah. Right off the bat, we, you've got two bangers, like two bangers in a row, and you're just like super pumped, you know? So it's like just for that little theater kid and everybody, there's just something that you can grab onto, mm-hmm. you know, in this movie. Audrey just kind of looks like a drag queen. She looks yes. like Katya. She looks. She's I got love, some Katya oh God, hair. Yeah, yeah I love, for sure. I love in the reprises, like suddenly Seymour before they get cut off by Patrick Martin, like the way she's like, uh, listen. and then he just comes in and he's like, hey, hey, you guys can stop singing for a moment. Yes, that reprise at the end, right before Jim Belushi walks in, they belt it and it's played for a laugh and it's, it, it works it's so funny yeah so, so funny so good because it's like so dramatic it's so super dramatic and then all of a sudden hey guys you could just stop singing for a moment yeah totally um well i think before we just like run out of space or have to break this up into like two episodes we should probably wrap yeah. this guy up yeah we've been talking for a while but i mean this movie is everything it's did you know it also had an animated series Little Pete, shop. He told me about that, and I was trying yeah. to remember it. So it was like it's Fox terrible. in like the it's early nineties. Really yeah, it's it just, was like Fox Kids, yeah, nineteen ninety one. Was yeah. any of it sung? Um, no. Yeah, it, no, it was rapped. Oh, Audrey I feel like I feel like I grew up on Saturday morning cartoons, and I always have a very like mixed relationship about anything that was made for the Fox Network. It was that this would be like on Camp Candy, like just uh, bad, oh my Poor, God. poorly Camp Little Candy. Or the Little weird, Rocky, the weird Peter the Pan show. Tomatoes. Hey, I love I Peter Pan and Pirates. Pan Pirates. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Tim Curry is Captain Hook. Yes, that is actually right, a really yeah. good show. We're getting, we're getting off course again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final thoughts. We got to wrap it up. Um, let's talk about final thoughts of this movie. Um, Mitch, what do you got? Let's wrap. What do you, final thoughts on Little Shop of Horrors? Just wrap in a tight little bow what do you got honestly like i think you hit it on the nail like especially with uh, gay men like we all idolize audrey we yeah. all want to be audrey because we, we all want somewhere that's green we yeah. like in one way or another we're all reaching for a dream mm-hmm. that that just seems out of reach yeah and and, and now that we put it that way i kind of like i kind of like the theatrical cut because uh, you know 
sometimes you just need that that dream. You need to achieve that dream. So maybe I, maybe there is a place in my heart for the theatrical kind of little shot. <laughs> All I'm just saying is that just the state of the world now, I think I needed to see Seymour and Audrey have a happy ending. Yeah. They go and get their... Meanwhile, I'm like, well, I'm like, I'd much rather have an Audrey 2 apocalypse than COVID apocalypse. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, I, what are you gonna do? Scott, what do you, what do you got? What do My you final thoughts is I can't believe it took me this long to actually watch the entire movie. Just to sit down and watch it all the time. And now that we've watched it, it's one, of the fav- it's one of my favorite movies that we've covered on this show. Oh, love it. Yeah. It got really great reviews. Two mm-hmm. thumbs up mm-hmm. by Siskel and Ebert. I just want mm-hmm. Audrey's wig. I want to wear it around the house. It's really good. I want to go and like twirl around with a mm-hmm. like apron and. <laughs> I want to pine saw. I want to I go want... and I want to go and like pick up my Starbucks <coughs> with it with my mask. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put plastic over our couches. I mean, come yeah. on, we need we need plastic on our furniture. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just. I want to become that theater kid and like belt out these songs and oversing suddenly Seymour in front of my uh, peers and my parents in a gymnasium. <laughs> you know, I mean, somewhere. we had That's... kind of for the past like two hours and then busting and out you, the song. And Pete, you never were a drama kid. I was. I wasn't I mean, because my, I, yeah. I couldn't sing, but I was in all the school plays or I at least worked on it and I was in speech and drama. In high school, too. Mm-hmm. My, my school was too poor to have a drama um, program. I mean, you pretty much just grew up on Skid Row. Yes. Going to school in downtown L.A. Yes. So you couldn't even be like like how the cats all-girls school would bring boys from the other school to play the boy parts? You couldn't they, even do that? They didn't do that until, I want to say, five, <laughs> five years after I graduated. Um, when I was there in the 90s, there was no theater program at all. Now, the theater program at my high school is, like, off the chain. And they do that. They bring in the girls from, you know, wherever. At the time, they did not. Uh, if they did, who knows where I would be today. <laughs> but at the time, they didn't. So, you know, whatever. Say la vie. I had some of the best experiences of my high school life working on yeah. high school plays. Yeah. If only. And ours were pretty janky, too. Yeah. They were not nearly as fun as putting on Little, Little Shop. Shop. I know. I know. But, yeah, I mean, I just... Rick Moranis is, is so cute in this. Mm-hmm. He's so cute. Get out of here. His hair is super cute. His outfits. His glasses. Pete, do you remember the time yeah. we were at a strip club in Portland and, and you pointed out like that a stripper looked yes. like Rick Moranis. Yeah. Oh, Lordy, yes, Lordy. Yes, a I strip do. club. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it, was at, it was at the Stag in Portland. Yeah. And one of the strippers straight up looked like Rick Moranis wearing a jock strap. Because he had Seymour Crowborn hair. Because I told you Seymour Crowborn yeah. hair is on point. Like these fuckboys on Twitter and... Uh, TikTok, have that haircut. Look it up. You'll know what I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be watching the Head of the Class episode where they do Little Shop because I just found it on YouTube. Oh, bitch. Well, you got to send that to us because I've been looking for it for days. There's, so, And then they've got they've got a clip from their hair episode where they sing Aquarius. They sing Aquarius. I and remember. I guess they did Grease as well. God. Yeah. I told you they did a musical every season. They need to do Little Shop Robin on Riverdale. Gibbons. 
Yeah. Oh my God, Riverdale with their musical episodes each season. They need to do River Shop. River Shop. <laughs> Little Shop. Yeah. They need to do Little Shop. They need to do they. They did what? They did Heather's. They did Carrie. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I love that they did Carrie. They did Hedwig. That's so gay. Uh, we saw so Carrie weird. at the La Mirada Playhouse. We did. We I know. Carrie. I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. Jacob was, was supposed cute. to take me. It was great. Like three years ago. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's cute. And it was in your hood. Uh, yeah. It was like right around the corner. Oh, Mitch. Well, where can we find you on social media if we want to read your blog? Oh. Oh, I am on Instagram, Mr. Spooky 13. You, I also now have a TikTok that I'm really into. Love it. Your Star Trek I TikToks know, have been I'm pretty such cool. I'm a millennial right now. <laughs> We're it's, all it's, just like young millennials. I was inspired by Joe Drusiva. You can also find me there as Mr. Spooky 13. Love it. We, I think I, all three of us are inspired by Jojo Siwa. Let me just say I mean, that. she's oh like God. she's like my dream guest to get on the show. I just want her to come on and talk about like... What would, what movie would JoJo Siva talk about? I don't know. Willy Wonka. I feel like yeah. if anybody in the world Willy- just thinks about candy <laughs> as much as I do, it's JoJo Siva. Because all I do date, like, when people are just like, what are you thinking about? I'm just like, candy. That's it, really. Just candy. Yeah, that's JoJo Siva. That's yeah. I will candy sort of bars. have an intervention with her about uh, how that bray, how that pulled back hair might be giving her traction alopecia. I mean, she, <laughs> yes. All this, I'm just saying, girl, is tight, just to sort of, like, let it down sometimes. This tight ponytail, it's doing you no favors, bitch. You are gonna have, yeah. Girl, on her TikTok, she's been, like, putting her hair down recently. <gasps> like, it's her. a big scandal. Oh, okay. Well, I'm all about that yeah. scandal, because she needs to take it out. Like, let it breathe. I would love to be JoJo's agent. Oh, my God. And just try to map oh her God. career out in the in like the next ten years, bitch. I would be I JoJo's. Just, just, I would be JoJo's driver at this point. Oh my God! She I drive would, herself. She drives herself. She would she just be. That. She would she just be. Her, she drives her Tesla with her face on it. All that around. Tesla with the face on it. Oh my God! JoJo. She would just be like recapping YouTube videos for you, and you just be like, uh huh, sure, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. okay, yeah. What else, what else dummy? I, oh I just can't wait for when JoJo C was like 25 and she has her Miley Cyrus breakdown. Uh, when, she's, when she becomes sexy. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I'm sexy now. Uh, <laughs> well, follow Mitch <laughs> for your uh, – follow Mitch for his current social media activity because yes. it is very uplifting. Yes, indeed. I Go love following him. TikTok. I've been, I've been, and I write people postcards. So if you, if you're listening to this and you follow me on social media and you give me your address, I might send you a postcard. Oh, we love it. We love correspondence. I know. I'm so into <laughs> postcards right now. Like Lizzie Borden, my hero. Postcards are very hot right now. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for coming on our Thank show. You so much. This was so much fun. Oh. Oh. I have a All feeling. Right. kids. We haven't seen the last of you. Oh, yes. Show. Oh, you will no. be back. I'm going to have to at least come back for Grey Gardens. <laughs> Haven't seen the last of you. Yeah, the, we need to do a Grey Gardens episode. The documentary and the HBO movie. And it's just going to be me and mom. Like, <laughs> mother will be here. <laughs> she I can just it. chime in in certain moments of the podcast. Yeah. She can just, just like, like, like pop her head in your room. room. <laughs> we'll give her a headset. <laughs> Oh man! Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, listen to uh, listen to this episode when it drops tomorrow because this is real time right now. We're recording this until the moment that it drops. Yeah, I will be posting this mofo like uh, soon. Uh, Thanks for coming on, and um, 
We'll see you next time on Movies That Made His Game In. And you know... Oh, are we, are we doing here? No, I was going to say goodbye to, Mi- okay. to our friend Mitchell. Sure. Uh, we, we can keep him on the line while we talk about our socials. We'll, we'll keep him on the line. Hey, why not? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Well, you can follow us at Pod on Twitter yes. and Facebook. Twitter at MTMUGpod. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Movies That Made Us Gay. And you know what is coming up next week, Pete? What's that? It is our 50th a TikTok? goddamn episode. 50 episodes? 50 episodes. Oh my a little over God. a year. Oh, I can't even. We have something fun planned for you, so stay tuned. And I have a feeling we're going to be traveling back to the 90s again. The 90s? Wow. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what we're doing. You're, you're if you've like, gotten like your fill of 90s movies, you're going to get more. We're going to get one more 90s movie. At least one more. Indeed. Well, uh, we would love if you would uh, subscribe and rate our podcast. Give us more reviews, please. Yes. Review our show. Only if you like us. If you don't. Well, then fuck off. Yeah, who cares? Stop don't listening. Write. Stop listening. You don't have to listen. It's a free country. Go away, Karen. God. But if you do like us, you should smash five of those stars. All five. 